Good evening and welcome to the Mary Trump Show election night watch party. We're going to have as much fun as we possibly can before we can't anymore. <laughs> before I bring everybody in, I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, I am bringing a class action lawsuit for pain and suffering against the New York Times for bringing back the fucking needle. Um, so there's that. Uh, secondly, um, I think, well, I think Tiffany Cross never should have been let go. She should have been reinstated for very, for many reasons, but tonight she should be reinstated because she was absolutely right. Florida is the dick of the country. Um, <laughs> both, uh, Marco Rubio, who has got to be one of the, uh, most craven, ineffectual, spineless, despicable, yeah. uh, you know, all the adjectives senators that <laughs> so we have, um, one against an extraordinary candidate in Val Demings. All I can say about that is I, I think uh, Val Demings is just an amazing person and candidate. I, I don't want to be getting 10 emails a day from her anymore more though so, so, so you know a slight a slight um uh upside there but it's bad it's so bad for florida and the country and of course uh ronda santos didn't just win he trounced his actually sane and not fascistic opponent uh charlie christ so um i mean what do we expect though it's florida yeah. Uh, there is some good news uh, in the early returns. Uh, Maryland has elected its first black governor uh, in Mac uh, sorry Westmore, and I was going to say Maxwell because um, I don't remember his last name, but a uh, Democrat actually won a congressional race in Florida. Which Maxwell is Frost. Thank you, Maxwell Frost, <clears throat> and he's like twelve, which which is even even more exciting. <laughs> and um, Massachusetts and and Mara Healey elected its first. Uh, lesbian governor, uh, and both of those are pickups. Uh, so that's excellent. Uh, okay, so thank you everybody for being here. Uh, mostly, it's just it's just for for my emotional and psychological <laughs> well being. Um, <laughs> but I. I just didn't have time to make a martini. I had to teach class tonight. That's all. So, there, there will be time, I'm sure, uh, and there will become it will become probably necessary at some point. Yeah. Um, so, I want to kind of kick off by asking each of you, what races are you most looking at? I mean, I know the answer could be all of them, of course, but you know, whether in terms of uh, their prognostic value or I don't even know if that's a word I'm very tired already um or uh just because like for me it's it's the governor of New York um because Kathy Hochul is a good candidate and um should win by a landslide but New York is terrible at both picking mayor New York City's terrible at picking mayors and New York State can be terrible at picking governors um, and her opponent, Lee Zeldin, is an election denier, and uh, he's against abortion of all kinds. He's pro-putting guns in the hands of all everybody, including insane, violent people. And, you know, if Donald is ever convicted of state crimes, Lee Zeldin will pardon him. Uh, so that matters to me. And also, I think New York is one of our biggest states, and it, it matters who's running it. Um, so that's that's one question. And then, you know, part of what I want to do tonight is is uh, 
sort of make the case that no matter what happens in this election, the Democrats have to have the, the Democratic strategy going forward will be exactly the same. The only thing that will be different is our emotional well-being. So, um, you know, uh, two years more. Either way, we have mm -hmm. to, like, fight mm -hmm. as hard as we can because we need to stop this every two-year cycle <laughs> of just living in absolute terror that our democracy is is going to go away and it looks like it it may well so mara i want to start with you because we don't have you for that long and it i'm just so grateful that you could be here so what are you thinking i'm so happy to be here with you guys um despite the fact that elections used to be um you know as a politics junkie and american a source of joy and nice. it was fun you know remember when this this was fun and you would get together with friends in person and yep. You know, win, lose, you didn't feel like the world was going to end. Yeah. Um, so that's hard to take. We're all exhausted by years of Donald Trump and pandemic and everything else. Um, I'm looking at New York as well. Um, I think it's disturbing to me. Part of the reason that, that the race is so important to watch and has national implications is because I think there's this realization among New Yorkers that um, the same kind of Republicanism and Trumpism that has been seen across the country is actually um, happening here. Because New York has a really long tradition of moderate Republicanism, and that's not who Lee Zeldin is. And I think more than anything, that is the surprise, not so much that there's a competitive Republican, that's certainly of interest, but yeah. more just that he is who he is, and he portrays himself to be a moderate, but really it's not. Um, in any shape or form. And then I think beyond that, I'm, I'm very interested in the race in Georgia, uh, not just because I think Raphael Warnock is somebody who uh, Americans really need to, to see return mm -hmm. to Congress, but also because I think it might tell us something about how the Republican playbook is working or not against the Democratic base and how motivated Black voters are or not to show up at the polls in, in despite just the exhaustion and Democrats in general. Yeah. Um, and also finally, I'm looking at Michigan um, because yeah. the ballot initiative there, obviously there's a very important race for governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. People, we don't talk about this enough. Um, they, militias tried to kidnap her mm -hmm. um, and do her grievous harm. Um, and yet she's saved a lot of lives over the years with um, COVID protocols that were unpopular. She's really... Uh, an impressive figure in that light. And so then you have a ballot initiative to enshrine um, some protections for abortion in, in the law there. And um, that's a really important swing state. I think that's going to be really um, telling us something too about the strength and the resilience really of, of Democratic voters. That's what I'm looking at is the resilience of, of Democratic voters. Um, they're exhausted. Do they continue? Are they, are they also showing up or are they just exhausted and staying home. Yeah. Rachel Vindman is in the house. Uh, so good to see you. And I know you're, you're, it's really late where you're in Britain. Uh, yeah. So I'm uh, just typing it. Yeah. I like a little, like I just woke up because I did, we both did. We just woke up to like, look at the races. So oh my I, God. I thought Florida is a loss, but yeah. Yep. Uh, Laura. So 
So Rachel, I, I just wanted to catch up on where we're starting and I want to go to you next simply because it's, it, it's like five, two or three in the morning where you are. Uh, yeah, and if you need, want to go back to sleep, if you, if you can, now that you've terrified yourself, um, basically we, you know, I just want to sort of set the table tonight by, by asking everybody what one or two races you're most looking at. Um, and I don't know any, any general thoughts you have, uh, you know, Mara just said, uh, and we've sort of been miserating with this idea that, Watching elections uh, results or are, are returns is 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 no longer this fun communal activity. It's sort of like everybody just trying to comfort each other and keeping us all from spinning out, mm -hmm. because the results. Uh, and you know, I had this. I did not have this experience in 2016 because I didn't think what happened was going to yeah. happen. But yeah. certainly in 2020, yeah. the problem leading up to that, and it's similar this year, is that the the results are so diametrically opposite that you like can't even imagine what your life is going to be. <laughs> so yeah. what are you thinking? The races that I am most concerned about or most watching, I think one is my um, representative race, Virginia seven, Abigail Spamberger and Nestle Vega. Yep. Vega. Yep. Mm -hmm. Big yeah. one for us. Yeah. Um, and Gosh, I don't know. Some of the governorships, um, just, you know, personal, the person I would like, most like to lose, if I had to pick, it's very personal to me, is Ron Johnson. But oh, um, interesting. Yeah. It's just personal. Yeah. So, of course. Um, well, it's but, personal, but it's also uh, a, American. Well, he's, yeah. Right? He is. He's a horrible, he is a horrible person and horrible yeah. for the United States. I mean, it would be interesting to see if there's an appetite for the race that Mandela Barnes ran, you know, I mean, for, yeah. for the campaign that he ran to see if that's winnable, because I'm, um, that's an important benchmark, but um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not too upset about Florida, just woke up, saw a lot yeah. about Florida and I'm like, mm, I mean, what do we expect? Like, you know, you have to keep realistic expectations, I think. And Absolutely. I don't know. What yeah. do you think, Alex? What are the ones you're watching the most? We're getting vo voiceover work. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Alex is Alex like under the covers, like trying to sleep? <laughs> 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 Fortunately, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Mister Pillow over there. We have kind of a big room here. What are the races that you? Uh, I think the ones that are most meaningful uh, from a, a strategic standpoint are the. Senate races and keeping control of the Senate. Yeah. So that yeah. there that there is maybe some check on the, the worst instincts yeah. of the, the modern Republican Party if they yeah. take control of the House. So I think uh, Georgia is going to be critical. Warnock against Herschel Walker. That's a kind of a, a, a litmus test for how bad we're doing as a country. Um, <laughs> that's true. If Herschel Walker wins, then uh, I mean, that's deeply, deeply troubling. Uh, as a brummer, um, yeah. Arizona is, yeah. is big in the same regard. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Pennsylvania is, is another big one. The, I guess the, these are the ones that you'd probably hear if you turn on, flip on a, a channel. Uh, Nevada and next in the in the order. Uh, those are the ones that that are particularly uh, interesting. And then a whole host of, of um, 
house races. I think mm -hmm. uh, if Abigail Spamberger uh, loses in our area, she's a, a moderate. Um, I think it, it would mean that there's a, basically a straight kind of party line vote in a lot of the country yeah. for Republicans. And uh, we are in for a very, very difficult uh, a Congress in the next couple of years. Yeah. If she if she yeah. wins, then I think we uh, the margins might the Republicans still have a good chance of taking it, but it'll be through razor thin margins and uh, maybe some sort of check on on the Republicans there also. Yeah, and I, I, it's still too early to call anything, but um, Elaine Luria is behind mm -hmm. by I think by eleven points at this. You know, there's mm -hmm. again still plenty of votes, and who knows where the vote, votes are coming from. Uh, Spanberger is behind by two or three, but again, same same caveat. Uh, but still, it's uh, it upshot. Doe has has it lean dem for whatever reason. They have uh, they have Abigail as lean dem. Um, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> whatever you can say to make me feel better. That's really why we're here. So I don't know when 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 does Virginia count the early vote? I don't know if I know enough about. No, that. yeah, we we voted. Virginia has the voting since like the end of September. We voted very yep. early. So yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's going to be some we win and some we lose. Uh, there's going to be yep. some surprises. I don't think it's going to be a red wave. And um, I think that's mm -hmm. important. Like mm -hmm. we got to take the wins where we get the wins. And it's mm -hmm. going to be really important that we amplify that tomorrow yeah. it starts tomorrow doesn't it i mean and, it definitely it start it starts tomorrow whenever you know whenever we get all of all of the results but yeah. you know well, i'm I starting th now i yeah okay, i think we should start well yeah, let's, I, let's, I feel i have you know let's wait um, i'm not waiting i'm, well, I'm sorry <laughs> i mean no but the reason i it, mean i feel optimistic reason... about the long term because i think okay well what you were saying mary earlier which is no matter what happens we have to figure out Sorry to like step on your your conversation, but like I think we have to. You're used to me, but like um, I think we just we we need to move forward in a way with our party because it's our parties, or it, it, where I don't want to be spammed by 500 emails asking me for money. Oh my gosh! I I just I want to be organizing in my communities all year round around shared values. And it has to look a lot different. You know, we have to be mm -hmm. everywhere, you know, school boards everywhere all the time participating mm -hmm. anyway, but you know that. And yeah. so I'm starting, I'm starting now and I'm optimistic that if we all leave the bird site and, and, uh, and, and you know, free up several hours of our day doing <laughs> other things, um, you know, that, that will be uh, better for democracy than what it's looked like so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a conversation for another time, and I have I have sort of mixed feelings about that. I think if if Twitter were in the right hands, that it mm -hmm. becomes a completely different story, but it's not. And uh, you know, I think I think what everybody said so far about the raises they're looking at, why it matters, uh, just sort of underscores the point that no matter what, the fight is going to be the same going forward. Um, obviously. Um, the urgency will increase a little. Well, I don't even know if that's true. You know what? Not the urgency, because the urgency needs to be up here, even if the Democrats had a blue wave, right? Because of how uh, the Re Republicans are 
are winning with candidates like Rubio against a Demings or uh, even putting up candidates like a Carrie Lake or a Herschel Walker. Um, so Jennifer Rubin, um, I think the urgency has to be the same. The difference is if we, if we end up with, and I'm so sorry I'm saying this because I know it's, it's traumatizing. If we end up with a Senator Herschel Walker um, and a Senator, uh, what's his name? Oz or <laughs> uh, even worse, Vance. That sounds then, made up. Senator Oz right? sounds like a joke. Well, let's make sure it is. <laughs> and it up. is. Um, let's make it theoretical forever. But Jennifer, it's a you know that that should um, make it even more clear to Democrats that the, the rules have to change. Mm -hmm. The rules by which we fight have to change completely let me take a step back and excuse my slightly hoarse voice no there, no reason to apologize for that voice it's awesome oh there you go um <laughs> yes it used to be in the good old days which was like 2000 or 1996 that there was a republican and a democrat you preferred one but you did not feel like the country was at risk if your candidate lost. That mm -hmm. is no longer the case. And it is somewhat upsetting because democracy does not allow itself to function if you elect a bunch of Herschel Walkers and Oz's. There is something about civic virtue that is essential both in the votership, in the electorate, and in the elected people. It cannot function if we are going to treat this like a really, really scary, bad reality show. And um, how to communicate to Americans that they have to be more serious. And at this point, I'm not even sure... Trump is the biggest problem. I'm not even sure Terry Lake is the mo the biggest problem. I think the voters are the biggest problem. And we have to figure out how to not only mobilize those people who understand the stakes, but figure out how to slowly crawl back and slowly um, recover people who seem to be lost to reality. Um, and I would also say it's I'm part of it, um, although I try not to do it. The mainstream media is incredibly unhelpful in the defense of democracy. Mm -hmm. Not only have they turned everything into a game, everything into a horse race, um, without um, a thought to the real stakes of democracy, but we are still in a whataboutism world. We're still in a... But on the other hand, world, we are still treating Republicans like normal candidates, yes. which they are yes. not. Thank you. Uh, which they are not. And there is still an excessive sense of gloom um, about, you know, the, the tagline is always Democrats in disarray. It's not a joke. It is painted with such a dark, dystopic feeling. And let's just look at what could potentially happen. Michigan, which had slipped out behind the blue wall, may be recovered in a very big way across the board with the Secretary of State, the 
Attorney General, the governor. Maggie Hassan, who was thought to be on the ropes, looks like she's going to win by a fair margin. Yeah. Um, we have an outstanding candidate, outstanding in Tim Ryan, who is running eight points ahead of where Joe Biden ran in 2020. Mm-hmm. We have superstars in the making in Jared Polis, Josh Shapiro, yeah. Raphael Warnock, Wes Moore. There are not only bright spots, um, but there is a glass half full there. We are not getting that in the news coverage. We are not getting that in the ethos. And it pains me as someone who is um, new to your side um, that the instinct for perpetual gloom and to talk oneself into depression is so pervasive um, that it does act as a drag, I think. I'll tell you what I'm very optimistic about. I'm optimistic about young voters and I'm optimistic about women. If women can get out in darn Kansas and protect reproductive rights, if young people can stand in line for hours at University of Michigan, we are not lost. We just have to figure out how to get from where we are to where they will be without completely losing our democracy. And I think there will be some bright spots. And I hope that at the end of tonight or tomorrow or a week from now, it is not as catastrophic as so many were uh, putting forth. And that that in itself becomes a lesson, both for the media as well as for the Democrats. And that we look at the people who ran much stronger than they should have and the people who ran weaker than they should have. And we use that to inform who has to be the leadership going forward. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have this same dichotomy, the same conflict. I am optimistic in the long run, but pessimistic in the short run. And I don't know how we get past the pessimism in the short run to get to the long run. I don't have a medium game plan, a medium length game plan. Yeah, it is a conundrum because honestly, and and I'm not pessimistic about anything, but the results are going to be the results. And if the Republicans win, it just makes 2024 that much harder. So it's, it's more uh, structural than anything else, but uh, just a couple of quick updates. Uh, Josh Pirro won the gubernatorial race in uh, Pennsylvania, as he should have, because his opponent was a fascist is, <laughs> and still is. Um, but thankfully, he's not a governor who's a fascist. Yeah. And not surprisingly, but depressingly, uh, Greg Abbott, who's responsible for the deaths of God knows how many people and should be in prison, uh, beat Beta O'Rourke. And we have a cat. Also, yes, all kitty. Everybody <laughs> feel better. Um, so yeah, Greg Abbott, criminal, uh, and just absolutely so hideous human being. Uh, Texas, get your act together. Uh, Dahlia, I know you need to leave soon, and Mara, you do as well. So, Dahlia, you're next, and then Mara, uh, just you know, after Dahlia, just uh, give us some last thoughts before you have to go. So, <clears throat> I think I'm gonna just um preempt Norm, but I'll just say that the things that I'm watching are the sort of big structural things more than any one race. There's some good news, right? I think that for those of us who thought this was gonna be a story of vigilantes with guns 
uh, and body armor terrorizing people at the polls that hasn't manifested. We yet. have seen catastrophic <laughs> breakdowns uh, in voting. You know, we've seen a couple of, of glitches, but nothing, um, you know, on a scale that I was prepared to worry about. And I think that's really, really good news in a localized, decentralized election system where things can go horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the great news. I think the bad news is that the election deniers, the Carrie Lakes and the Donald Trumps are already saying that the election was stolen and mm-hmm. already making hay, making claims about things that are happening in Arizona or um, in Michigan that are kind of normal and to be expected. And, uh, you know, the capstone there, of course, is, you know, the claims that it, whatever it vote isn't counted by midnight tonight is illegitimate. So I think that what I want to center maybe a little bit is that what's profoundly different from what we saw in 2020 is that now the number of people who are making claims about stolen elections, about, you know, massive rampant vote fraud, I think that's really terrifying. And that's what's different, right? This was a crackpot idea. And now it's become a mainstream idea that any deviation from the norm means that, you know, poll workers are liars and that the Justice Department shouldn't be allowed in to observe in Florida. That stuff is really scary. And I think existentially scary. The only other point I want to make, and I just say this as the Supreme Court watcher, is that if this election doesn't prove to be a massive rebuke to the U.S. Supreme Court, then we have really, really failed. And so while I want to sort of align myself with uh, Jennifer Rubin, who says, you know, I think women and young people are, are going to show up in big ways. I really, really, really wish that everybody went to the polls uh, voting uh, with Sam Alito at top of mind yeah. and saying that at minimum, we want to cabin a runaway court that doesn't seem to care what the public thinks. And I wish that I was seeing that manifest today. I'm not yeah. sure I'm seeing it. Yeah. And but Mara, just really quickly uh, before uh, I get to you, I just want to let everybody know that uh, per Norm, uh, Abigail Spenberger has been declared the winner. She will hold Yay! her seat, which is very, very good news. Yes. Um, I don't know about Luria, but if, if Luria can like yeah. narrow the gap, at least that that also will be a good thing. And just also quickly to, to Dahlia's point. Um, yeah. I, and I think. If if uh, the Supreme Court is not was not top of mind, there are all sorts of reasons for that, and, and we will we, we'll, we will need to grapple with those when we this election is over. Um, but I also I think it's important to say that the problem in that regard, if indeed that that the votes uh, uh, don't votes from women don't um, add up the way we they should under the circumstances uh we need to specify of course that it's white women who are the problem in this yeah. instance as they always are mm-hmm. anyway mara so i just wanted to go back to a point that jennifer made um and i i do think it's significant that you're you know new to uh de- the democratic big deep point of view, because really this shouldn't be about partisanship at all. Um, Unfortunately, we only have one major party in the United States, it bears repeating, that is tethered to reality and to democracy at the moment. And that that in and of itself is a problem because, you know, the Democratic Party needs real competition as well. And you see 
that failure of, of legitimate competition playing out in New York in ways yeah. we haven't seen yet. So, That's right. um, but, but I do think Jennifer's point, uh, I just wanted to take a little farther is so important because, you know, it, it is a moment for, I think, anger, righteous anger and for organizing, but it's really a bad time for defeatism. And I think uh, Democrats have kind of long had that culture of defeatism and there's some reasons for that. I get it, but it's really, um, you know, cynicism will just let people make people stay home and not to get too deep about it, but I did, I did find myself a little depressed this morning. So I kind of had a little pep talk with myself. And the first thing I did this morning was I, I watched some like pretty extraordinary silent footage that my grandfather shot in 1942 of his brother um, actually marching in a segregated army regiment through the streets of Detroit on his way to fight the Nazis during World wow. War II. And you just, I actually posted on Twitter. It's really fun. You know, you, you, you think to yourself, okay, um, you got to take the longer view here and you can be absolutely furious and you should be. Um, so you don't want to make light of these problems, but you got to pace yourself uh, so that you can keep showing up uh, for, you know, yourself, your fellow citizens, your kids, what have you. And I also just, I think, Jennifer, yep. to your point, we, we really have to be asking more of um, voters, treating them like adults, holding them responsible. And, you know, there's a time for persuasion, but there's also a time to say this movement needs to be defeated not the average people who might be, you know, kind of brought along for the ride. You know, there's got to be a way to bring them back into democracy eventually, I hope. But this is a movement that has to be defeated. And I, I think the sooner we agree on that, uh, you know, the better off we'll be. So I just, I, I wish we could do this every day. And I'm really grateful uh, to be with you guys tonight. We might do it every day because it's that serious. <laughs> but seriously, thank you so much, Mara, for being here. And I hope you get some sleep. Thanks. And wake up to really go blue, good news. Go blue. Go blue. Go blue. Go blue. <laughs> Tomorrow's um, point, when I get depressed, I go to the top of the Twitter feed for uh, my idol, really, uh, Cheryl in Eiffel. Mm -hmm. And it has a clip of her from an interview. And she's asked, what gives you hope? And she says, you know, never in American history have African-Americans and African-American women said, and then they gave up. And that is a spur to me, an incentive to me. If people who have been beaten down, who have lost not only one election, but decades, um, have had perseverance to be patriots, to serve in World War II in a war against fascism, to fight for democracy, then we can too. And it reminds me that we can't be wimps. We cannot be set back by a single defeat or a series of defeats. Um, and, you know, you keep going. And the most important thing, I really mean this, this is not solace, is to be fighting on the right side of history, to be yep. fighting the good fight, and to know that you've done everything you can for democracy and for your country. And you won't always win, but you gotta do the right thing. You gotta do the right thing. 
And I commend to everyone John Meacham's new book on Lincoln, which um, talks about uh, conforming our politics to our conscience, conforming our politics to morality. And that's got to be the goal here. Yeah, absolutely. And and not just laying everything out on the field, but understanding that the fight is continuous. It's not democracy is not an end. It is a process and it is a process we always need to be engaged in. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges that we face is um, making that the rule, making that how we go about being citizens in America. Um, AG, I know you got to get going soon, so um, you're up. Hi, everybody. Uh, It's really great to see you. Mary, thanks for having me. Um, uh, the first thing that I want to <laughs> the first thing that I want to say is that there's no red wave tonight. Nope. We mm-hmm. can we can say that there is no red wave, and we need to put that out on social media often, and we need to keep repeating it, and we need to drive that into the ground the way Republicans repeat their, you know what, over and over. Lies, no fascistic bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can say bullshit on here. That's right. Um, you can swear. Yes, there is no can. red wave. That's a very, very important message to get across because that's yes. what that's what they were saying. Now, I wanted to piggyback a little bit on what Dahlia was talking about with regards to this, with regard to the Supreme Court uh, because I want you know we watch Florida very closely and it just bam you know yeah went red uh, the dick of the United States. I like I like Patton Oswalt where he says actually the United States Maine is its little weird dick and Florida is its giant ball sack. Um, <laughs> But what I think is happening with, you know, and I, you know, piggybacking on what Dolly was talking about, what what we're seeing in Florida, part of what we're seeing in Florida is a direct result of the Supreme Court gutting the Voting Rights Act and making it so that, you know, that we can gerrymander districts. We flipped three House seats in Florida for the sole purpose of trying to get the House back with these maps that DeSantis drew. And I think it's really important that you know, it, part of our plan going forward is is de- uh, Democrats have to think harder. Uh, you know, they were, mm-hmm. you know, she was saying, is Alito at top of your mind when you go into the into the polling yeah. booth? We have to think really hard about what we're doing with our federal bench and with our with our Supreme Court uh, and elect people who are willing to expand it, uh, because that's the only way out of this. You know, we can codify Roe, we can codify voting rights. It'll just get gutted again in this extreme Supreme Court. Uh, some races I'm watching very uh, intently, obviously Pennsylvania. There's a lot of potential house pickups for Dems in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I'm looking at to negate what DeSantis did down in Florida with his, uh, you know, turn, you know, redistricting uh, shit show. Uh, and uh, of course, I'm also looking at Nevada. I'm, I'm worried about maybe some, you know, the Dems, um, you know, enthusiasm or lack thereof in Nevada. And, and I think that that's something that we can focus on going forward. But I really just want to drill down that there is no red wave and how important that is and how that mm-hmm. that's, you know, I'm, I'm always, you know, eternal optimist, but that's what makes me feel good about tonight. No matter what happens, a red wave didn't happen. So. Yeah. And you know what, AG, I got to say that it, I'd, I'd, I think it's sep- apart from optimism that had everything to do with egregiously wrong media framing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're told eight months ago that, 
well, of course the Republicans are going to win big. It's an off year. Democrats are the party in power. And as soon as the Democrats gain a slight lead and then lose it a little bit, suddenly it's disaster for Democrats. (laughs) When I, you know, when, when, even if Democrats were to lose, which they're not going to do, um, by a small margin, that's a disaster for Republicans. So anyway, Kimberly, and, and, and bodes well, even if, again, even if we lose temporarily, losing by small margin is much better than a blowout. And it was never going to be a blowout. There was no evidence that it was going to mm-hmm. be a blowout. Anyway, Kimberly, uh, so awesome that you're here. What do you think? Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, Well, I'm, you know, Allison knows that most of the time I'm incredibly optimistic and all day I've actually been pretty optimistic. And then as soon as, as soon as Kornacki comes on the television, I start getting heart palpitations and seeing what happened in Florida, poor Bob had to listen to me, you know, freaking out and um, <laughs> he's trying to calm me down. And the thing, okay. And I talked to Jennifer. Like yes, yeah, we are. Yeah. In fact, I can yes, walk over there. Like, but they like each other. They still like each other. They're just in separate rooms. <laughs> it's what keeps the magic alive. Um, but I was talking to Jennifer uh, before we even started, and I was terrified because I'm afraid if we lose the house, that democracy is dead. Uh, and, you know, Bob is trying to tell me, look, that's two years away. But I don't know. I, I, I'm a little worried about it. And, of course, the racists that I'm paying attention to are, um, uh, well, obviously, Josh Shapiro was the just one. So I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for that. And then some of the obvious ones, I mean, Fetterman, so far the numbers look good for him. And so there's Fetterman and then also Warnock, because as everybody points out, if Herschel Walker is a United States Senator, that's really, really effing bad. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we cannot have that. But generally speaking, I think if we can pull this off, I mean, if we can, if we can just keep the house and I really hope we do, I think that's really promising for for the next two years. Democrats can get a lot done. Although what Allison said is absolutely true, we have to ex- we have to expand the Supreme Court in order to save anything that the Democrats do in the next two years if we've got that power. No doubt, no doubt at all. And uh, just to, I I was very curious about Josh Shapiro's uh, margin of error. It seems yeah. like he's trounced Mastriano. Oh, good. Good. And the reason that's important, besides the fact that Mastriano deserved to be trounced, yeah. is that the hope is that there will be coattails for Fetterman, who had a stroke. And yeah. unfortunately, that, that definitely plays, plays a, a role in people's mm-hmm. decisions sometimes. So, Bob, um, I, again, I, I want to know what races you're looking at, but I, I also mm-hmm. want to know... <clears throat> What you think, like, do you really think, you know, I don't want to, I, sorry, I was about to get ahead of ourselves and I don't (laughs) want to do that um, just because it's going to be a long night and why get ahead of ourselves? Uh, We have plenty of time, but uh, talk about some races and, and just sort of your general sense of kind of why we're at this sort of moment where we're hanging on by our fingernails. Mm-hmm. Well, the race that I'm watching as sort of a bellwether in all of this uh, is the Tim Ryan JD Vance race in Ohio. If Tim Ryan wins that, if we get a call for Tim Ryan in Ohio, that's great news for the mm-hmm. Senate firewall in yeah. Congress. So, because it's really sort of one of those third or fourth tier races that people were watching, because I'm not sure 
we were all convinced that Tim Ryan could actually do it. It's looking, at least the last I saw, is looking promising for him. Um, but if he does end up pulling that out, that'll be good news for at least the Senate side. And then we're going to be biting our nails about the House side for probably some time now. But the, yeah. the point I wanted to make, a, a larger point, and this is win or lose, irrespective of how things suss out in Congress or state legislatures or governor's mansions, for that matter. Um, the one piece of the puzzle that I think the Democrats and the left is missing significantly that is ever present on the right is an enormous influx of cash into independent media. And I'm probably stepping on our friend Cliff Schechter's toes when I say this, because this is something that he's been talking about with me. I know uh, probably it's okay. he's not show. here. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this is something that he talks about a lot, which is that the propaganda machine on the right is enormous, whether it's AM talk radio, whether it's podcasts, whether it's bulk book buying. They are. I am absolutely positive they're buying shares likes follows on social media you can buy all that stuff a couple of clicks you're buying millions of downloads for your ben shapiro podcast if you want to i'm not necessarily saying that he's doing that it's one of those things well you know if there's smoke there's if they're doing bulk book buying and all this money is being pumped into that to just get them on the new york times bestseller list then it's probably a good hunch that they're doing something along that line along those lines with podcasting and social media so the point being is that where's the money on the democratic side where's that kind of money coming in i don't see it i don't think any of us are collecting george soros checks the <laughs> mythical george soros checks it's not happening so yeah. I think moving forward, if we want to reach out to some of those unregistered voters, if we want to bring more people in, we have to absolutely pump up the amount of money that is, is being poured in. Because I, I, I would wager it's got to be 80-20 if you were to look at the mm -hmm. split yeah. between money going to Republicans and money going to Democrats as far as that goes, as far as independent media. That's got to change. And if we can't mm -hmm. do that... It's going to be an uphill struggle. Every time there's an election, there's a lot of garment rending about messaging, the Democratic messaging. Oh, my God, what to do about the Democratic messaging? Well, you're not going to get a great message out if you don't have the money to get it out there. Right. So that has got to uh, be something that, that we fix, that we focus on you didn't between get your now and 24. Check, Was that? <laughs> you didn't get your Soros check? Uh, no, not this month. I don't know where it must have got. Louis DeJoy lost it in the mail or something. I have to yeah, probably, yeah. undoubtedly. Give me your details, and I'll make sure you get back on the list. I have to be honest. Right, thank though, you. The, the George Soros, uh, in in my view, defamation is one of the most bizarre things <laughs> I that I've yeah. and and long lived. I mean, it's not going away. It's been around. It's so it's sick, but I think it it's a really good um, indication of where the right's been for a very long time. Um, Dean, I know you need to get going soon. So I want to go to you next. And I, I do think one, I want to hear about what races you're looking at, but also the whole idea of how Democrats should be targeting their investments. And I, I in a weird way, I think the, the, the Twitter debacle has kind of brought this to a, to the fore in a way I wasn't really thinking about it before. Um, you know, part of it is, uh, um, uh, AJ, you got to get going. Thank you for being here. If you can come back, we're going to be here. 
for the duration, probably. Um, if, oh, yeah. if, Jen, if Jen makes me a martini, I'm, I'm in for the, I'm in for good. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so bye. bye. Um, so I think part of that, Dean, is, is also figuring out, like, I am one of those people who thinks that Dems should compete. Hey, Charlotte, Dems should compete Hi, everywhere. Charlotte. That doesn't mean we need to pour billions of dollars into every race, though, because all races are not alike. I don't think that Charlie Crist was ever going to win. Um, maybe, I, maybe Val Demings wasn't even going to win. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that in addition to what races do you think we need to be looking at? I'm going to pass. Well, thank you for having me, Mary. I I'm kidding, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something never, ever it's, said. It's like you waited oh for that. Oh, my God. What was that restraint? It was. It seemed so judgy. I was like, "What? Wow!" <laughs> Should I be? I just feel like hurt. Can I just say, I never heard Bob says to talk before. Bob, you have a great radio voice. Oh my God! That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. God, I'm like a radio show, and I, I said like a puppy dog with me. <laughs> and Bob's like, "Hello, everybody. I'm Bob Siska." <laughs> so. In any event, what was the question? That was I got. Here's the race I'm looking at. Here's the uh, first thing. The race I'm looking You're at. You're a comedian. Me, You're supposed to be uh, able to track uh, these things. Come on. Right. The I think the Wisconsin the governorship races, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan are the pathway to citizenship. Without yeah. the three governor races, those governorships, which the GOP controls the state legislatures, would be in bad news. Pennsylvania, we won. Josh Pierre, good guy. I've had him on the show a bunch of times. Uh, Michigan Governor Whitmer is going to win. Tony Evers in Wisconsin's neck and neck. Yeah. And Republicans control the state legislature. Governor Evers has vetoed over a dozen pieces of legislation to curtail the vote, suppress the vote, overturn the vote, everything. We need that. And Arizona, I mean, that's not usually in play, but if Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham, and he's a Secretary of State nominee. You mentioned George Soros. Mark Fincham has talked about George Soros and Mike Bloomberg are coming for him. Neither one spending money in the state. What do they have in common? Oh, it's I obvious. think they're Jews. Right. And the Jewish community there denounced it. And what did he respond, Mark Finch? He posted, George Soros is coming after me. Give me $15. That, and I wrote about it for MSNBC. This is anti-Semitism off the charts bullshit mm -hmm. that we have going on. So, I mean, look, the governor races are key. If we can, there's no red wave. Myra, you were just on my show right before this. The red wave was a mirage created by corporate media That's for right. whatever reason. I don't know if it was the press democratic turnout. I don't know if it's because corporate executives want a red wave, so there's less regulations and less taxes, so they make more money, or they just like drama and they want to gin it up, so red wave, red wave. I don't know. But the data objectively was not backing it up because the generic congressional ballot, which asked, who do you want to control Congress? 2018 at this time, night before election, Democrats up by nine points, just about nine. 2010, before that red wave, up by nine and a half. Where is it today? Up by 1.2%. The corporate media literally fabricated, I'm not kidding, they literally fabricated a red wave. There was no data to support it. So look, it's not a red wave, it's gonna be close. Let's hold on to these governor races, because if we lose, if we lose Wisconsin and, and Arizona, that means we have to win Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, or there's no path, democracy ends as we know it. And I'm coming to you live from, you know, another country or New Jersey. You're, 
<laughs> wow, that was uplifting. Thank you. I, know. I love um, New Jersey, though. I love yeah. Jersey, but that's where I'm going. I liked it better when you passed. I, I think, yeah. <laughs> I know, me too. That was my strength. I, I, I do think that pass. Pass. I should have left. I do not think that it it, it is uh, a bad idea for us to start staking out a Caribbean island where we can all... <laughs> Uh, congregate that does not have extradition. If there is such a place, I found um, a place. It's called Cayman. It's lovely. <laughs> uh, okay, and we can hide money there too. Um, so, you know, uh, Norm, Dean just mentioned this, and it and it and it. We know that uh, I don't know if it's election related or not, but we know uh, that seven or eight black churches. Just just yeah. having to say this like sends chills down my spine because it is just <sighs> historically uh, just an abomination. Uh, eight black churches, seven or eight black churches were set on fire and burned to the ground. Um, the rates of anti-Semitism, thanks in large part to Donald Trump, have been on the rise uh, since his um, tragic run for the presidency in 2015 and 2016. And since then, of course, um, you know, and, and on top of that, of course, anti-immigrant hatred, anti-Muslim hatred, on and on and on, Norm. And I guess one of the things about this particular election cycle that's so disturbing is that those things haven't broken through. Um, so how do we not make sense of it because I, I think I think it's actually pretty clear why it happens. Uh, it's 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 uh, useful uh, to the right, um, and and the media has I don't know when this started, but certainly in the recent past has treated things like anti-Semitism, racism, anti-immigrant hatred, et cetera, et cetera, as uh, winning strategies for the Republican Party. Um, so I guess the question then is how do we how do we on the right side of things how do we on the left make those issues relevant in a way that will finally at long last get voters uh, who don't belong to those uh, groups to understand that we can have a functioning democracy if such things are allowed. So let me at least start with sort of less bad news, uh, which is these Please. predictions that so many made, including the tilting of these biased Republican polls that flooded the zone, do not appear to be coming true. We're not going to have a red wave. Um, the House is more competitive, I think, than we thought. Um, at least two of those three bellwether Virginia races, uh, these three remarkable women, uh, Jennifer Wexton, Abigail Spanberger, have won. And Elaine Lurie is behind, but there's still a lot of votes to go there. Right. And um, we don't know where they're coming from, so that's right. also... A, Democrats yeah. picked up a seat in North Carolina because the courts in North Carolina, unlike the courts in many other places, actually allowed for a fair redistricting. Um, we're seeing at least a seat picked up in Ohio. Uh, there, you know, I, it's still a long shot for Democrats to win the House, but it's not out of the question. <clears throat> the degree to which Maggie Hassan is uh, winning in New Hampshire is a very good sign. And if Herschel uh, Walker falters, 
we may not even have a runoff. Uh, right. You know, I, we were seeing uh, polls that show the independent candidate they're getting five percent at this point. He's getting one or two percent. So there's some good things happening. I just saw some results from uh, Dane County in Wisconsin, which is a big one. And Tony Evers running for re-election as governor is doing better there than he did the last time. We don't know in a lot of these cases, but we're not seeing a red wave, even if Republicans win uh, in a lot of places. And of course, if they do win the House, we can come back to that. It's catastrophic in many respects for the country and for the world. Um, and if they win the Senate, it's even more catastrophic. Uh, but putting that aside and getting to your question, Mary, we're in for some dark times regardless of what happens tonight or this mm -hmm. week or next week. What's been so striking to me is that when we saw vile anti-Semitic comments made by key Republicans, including Donald Trump, not one of their leaders condemned them. When we see racist comments, not one of them condemn them. And the dark times are there, you know, make America what it was again. In Mississippi, we're making it what it was again in the 1950s. Uh, we're going to see a lot more violence, too. And mm -hmm. what we need to get out of this, obviously, we have to convince people that this is terrible. But it's going to be hard to do it if the official position of one of our two major parties is, let these old times roll. And if you look at the responses to the assassination attempt against Speaker Pelosi, and it was an assassination attempt mm -hmm. against Speaker Pelosi, other than Mitch McConnell, of all people, condemning it as violence, nothing from any of the leaders in the House. When Steve Scalise was shot, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker, said we're all family and got everybody to rally against this catastrophe. And of course, that was front page above the fold in the New York Times. Paul Pelosi gets his head bashed in, in what was an attempt to get at the speaker, and it's below the fold as if it wasn't anything deeply significant. Mm -hmm. If our major media don't focus on these things, and if one political party endorses them, we're in big trouble. And keep mm -hmm. in mind that Whatever the Republicans do in the House tonight, the vast majority of them are election-denying radicals who will say zip. They're either radical themselves, the rest are cowards. So we've got all of these issues. And if Donald disappeared tomorrow, they don't go away. If we right. end up with a thug like Ron DeSantis as being the leader of the Republican Party, or a better-dressed uh, and slightly more urbane uh, thug like the governor of Virginia, mm -hmm. the leader, we've got even bigger challenges uh, ahead. So we better hope that the election turns out to be better than we thought, but we cannot give up and we have to uh, do everything we can to fight back against this, which is going to get worse. And I'm really concerned about the violence that we have ahead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when Donald Trump says of Nancy Pelosi, after all of this, that she's an animal. When he says, we need to take all the drug dealers, give them a two minute trial, shoot them in the heads and send the bullet to their families. And nobody responds. And that's not front page news everywhere. What the fuck is happening to this country? Yeah, yeah. It is a sign. And if, if we lose our democracy, 
so many of those in the mainstream media who treated this election as a normal election, focused only on the horse race, mm -hmm. have not even looked at what the consequences are if the Republicans take the House in aid to Ukraine and what that means for the world, in cutting off funding for the Justice Department, for the Centers for Disease Control for the next pandemic, in trying to shackle the State Department by holding a million investigations of Afghanistan and tying them all down, by pushing us to a default. That's not even news anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are a couple of editorials here and there. There are pieces that some of us write about this. It doesn't get picked up on. We have so many problems. And no matter how much we pound away at the Times or the networks, they don't change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Norm, I have so, there's so much there in what you just said. But I know Jennifer needs to get going. Uh, because her cold meds are going to be kicking in. Kimberly also needs to leave at 10. So I want to go, Jennifer, and then Kimberly, uh, your your final thoughts for at least for this particular session, and then we're going to go to Waj and, and Charlotte and, and pick up on some of the things that uh, Norm laid out for us. To pick up on Norm's point, we are confronted with a fascist party. Yeah. It is not inappropriate to call them that. What else do you call a party that instrumentalizes violence, that preys on xenophobia, that wants to return women to the home into a breeder role, that wants to institute a Christian nationalism as the official ethos, the official um, religion of the country. This is fascism. And I think we've gotten to be too polite if Anyone in the media uses the word conservative one more time, I'm really going to throw up. Totally. This is not conservative. This is reactionary. This is fascism. And we have to start acting like it. And I must say, there is a failure, I think, to um, really connect the dots. Anti-Semitism, violence towards African-Americans, xenophobia, and loss of women's bodily control are all of a piece. They're all things that fascists do. Look at Brazil, look at Italy in 1930, look wherever, and you will see this common pattern. And I think we really have to make that clear that that's what we're up against. And my hope would be that perhaps a better than expected showing causes the mainstream media, why I keep hoping, I don't know, <laughs> to recover some sense of sanity and really puts an end, frankly, to the polling industry. I could frankly use an astrologer and come up with better results <laughs> than these folks, or perhaps a blindfolded dark yeah. <laughs> It's a sham. It's a mm -hmm. sham as much as anything I Donald Trump has ever put together. And we really should stop writing about them and taking them seriously. Totally. So on that lovely note, I'll say good night to all of you. Good Feel night. You. Feel better. Thank, Thank you, you better, so Jen. much for coming. Uh, Kimberly. Uh, um, yeah, what, what I wanted to add to what Jennifer was saying earlier about the voters, because we have a voter problem, and we absolutely do, but part of the reason is because we have these right-wing machines, uh, you know, the, whether it's Fox News, and I, I just want to speak to, there's obviously, as we all have, people in our families 
One of mine is a MAGA. I was talking to her last night and only one. Was, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, kind of, well on my side of the family, <laughs> but it's a small family. So um, anyway, the uh, conversation was first about some family drama and without getting into details about the family drama, California was mentioned. So this mega relative has to throw out there, well, you know, California is so soft on crime. Now, I try not to argue with this person because there's no point. And then we were getting into it a little more. And I was telling her about this new website thing that, you know, I'm interested in, long story. But anyway, I said, we, we want to have, and so I reach out to her, right? And I say, we want to have um, conservative voices and we want to have liberal voices. We don't just want a liberal echo chamber. I said, you know, but we absolutely will not put up with hate speech and disinformation. Well, everything changed. She didn't start yelling at me, but her voice changed. She was agitated and she she got very angry. And she said, oh, well, they're just calling opinion hate speech. You have to be careful about that. Everything isn't hate speech. And I said, well, you know, if you have the N word repeated several times, that's not going to be allowed. And she was very quiet when I said that. She didn't say anything. And so I think, you know, again, to Jennifer Rubin's point, part of the problem is the voters, but because half the country is brainwashed by literal propaganda, it's like Russian propaganda, except it's in America and, and it's upsetting to me. And I don't know what the answer is, but I think I do agree we have to somehow get to the voters, but I think we have to figure out a way to stop this propaganda machine because it literally is killing us. Yeah, and um, oh, Dean just left. Okay, because Dean also had to leave at, at ten. But yes, uh, it it is. That's that's why. And look, I'm guilty of this too. I've said many, many times there are more of us than there are of them. But yeah. you know what? In the face of gerrymandering, mm -hmm. the electoral college, yeah. uh, the the uh, filibuster, um the fact that we've got a, a massive right-wing media propaganda machine that is unchallenged by anything mm -hmm. on the left, uh, by the fact that they have more of the money, that by the fact... Cliff, hey, how are you doing? Um, hey, how are you? By the fact that uh, they have Citizens United and six Supreme Court justices uh, in their back pocket, and by the fact that uh, Donald has God knows what kind of information on his political opponents from the FBI that he can use, uh, which he, you know, essentially gave a hint at today in vis-a-vis mm -hmm. uh, -vis, uh, the sanctimonious. Um, <laughs> so, Waj, it, you know, it, it does feel, and it has for a long time, felt like um, whether we're in the minority or we're in the majority, it always feels like we're in the minority. And just to cheer everybody up, I just want to say really quickly that the execrable Sarah Huckabee Sanders is now a go fucking governor. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, it, we shouldn't be surprised because it's Arkansas and that's been ever since Clinton, that's been shifting to the right. But I, other than Walker, I really like, it's hard to think of a less qualified, more man. egregious person. Anyway, oh. that aside, Waj. Hey, um, everyone. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks, Kimberly. Uh, nice, nice meeting you, Kimberly, for the first time. Nice meeting you, Rachel. Thanks, nice to see everyone else who's been here. Thank you for your uh, comments. I've been listening for a while. So for those in the in the, in the comment section, uh, and I read the comments, I'm not exhausted. I'm, I'm not despondent. I'm just exhausted because I, I took a flight today, and I'm in Florida, and I'll explain why at the end, which is something hopeful. 
or at mm-hmm. least a timeline cleanser. Uh, <laughs> right, one. right. It uh, is. It, yes. And so uh, it's an interesting place, this Florida. But uh, just to pick up on some, some of the points everyone's saying is, you know, Abigail Sandberger uh, just won in Virginia and so did Jennifer Wexton. And the reason why that's very encouraging is those were seen as two bellwether races, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're still waiting to see what's happening in Nevada. We're still waiting to see what's happening in Arizona. But the fact that Abigail Spanberger won is, is a testament that historically, uh, for those who follow this, right, this should be a layup for Republicans. This should be a red tsunami. Obama yep. lost more than 50 seats. Clinton lost more than 60. Trump lost 40 plus. And you have inflation and you have gas prices. So if you take that into account, this should be a no-brainer. Like, we should all be sleeping right now. They should have lost the Senate. House should be 40 seats easy. Uh, House is very competitive. I still think, I hope I'm wrong, the Dems will lose. And and Senate might go to a a runoff, and we might be able to hold the Senate. Let's see. Hopefully, from my words, not to God's ears, and he strikes it down and smokes what I said in the first part of the House. (laughs) No Uh, smiting. uh, Good. Halal smiting. But what it reveals is the extremism of the Republican Party, the fact that they ran candidates that everyone has talked about, Herschel Walker, Doug Mastriano, who doesn't believe in the separation of church and state, Blake Masters, backed by white nationalist Peter Thiel, Mark Fincham, Secretary of State, backed by Trump in Arizona, who, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is a member of the Oath Keepers. Carrie Lake, who just threatened a journalist earlier today and somehow believes that she's running for eight years magically. The fact that we have the threat in the Republican gubernatorial candidate who openly said that if Republicans win, they're never going to lose again. He said that in Wisconsin. Uh, and so what we're dealing with, and I think what Norm makes an interesting point and a smart point, is regardless of what happens tonight or tomorrow, this fight is ongoing. We're dealing with a radicalized, weaponized movement that is the minority, Mary. The one positive that we have is that we are the majority. All the data reveals we are the majority. I think the reason why we get despondent is we sit there and see someone like Herschel Walker or a Carrie Lake or a Doug Mastriano or a Trump. And you're like, no sane patriotic American would ever vote for these people. And Trump becomes president. And you're neck and neck between Warnock and Walker. And that that kind of dooms your heart and makes you sink a little bit because you think it should be a slam dunk, but it isn't. Uh, this is the death rattle of white supremacy that is transforming into a death march. We see disinformation, and now we've seen nearly a billion dollars worth of money in this election cycle alone being spent by right-wing billionaires to influence the election and flood the zone with shit. So regardless of what happens, folks, and this is not to make you despondent, but this is to energize you, we have the numbers. And, and what I've said before this analogy on Mary's show is give me a radicalized, zealous, organized minority that wakes up every day with a fighting spirit and a mission over a flabby, moderate majority because they will carve through us like butter. However, with the Republicans going so extreme, you know, we've been talking about this for months now, Mary, on your show. We've been saying, I think Democrats should just listen to us because lo and behold, defense of democracy, once they started messaging on it, what's the top five issue, ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking at the polls, Abortion rights, what's a top five issue, right? What's mobilizing people to come out, even in places like Kentucky? So what we need for Democrats, and I think, I hope what the pivot for Biden is, you can't do reconciliation with these people who want to kill you, who want to kill Mike Pence, who want to kill Rusty Bowers, who want to kill freaking Liz Cheney. If they want to kill Mike Pence, what are they going to do to the Brady Bunch right here, the progressive Brady Bunch? 
uh, that's just assembled in these squares, right? And so I think that fighting spirit has to be organized and marshaled by the Democratic Party and by all of us on the local and state level. What I'll also say is with media, and I'm going to do a layup for Cliff, uh, set him up. You know, I was doing a debate yesterday and I said the media, I agree with Steve Bannon. He says the enemy is the media. Media is the battleground. You have a majority of Republican candidates right now that are running in this election, ladies and gentlemen, who are election deniers. Why? Because a majority of Republican voters believe in the big lie. They also believe in the replacement theory. And now QAnon, that we used to laugh about, is being blared and messaged from Trump rallies. It is a right-wing ecosystem that has radicalized about a third of our fellow countrymen. And because of the failure of the media establishments, they will normalize it. This is how it seeps through. And a joke that I had is, I did on Twitter, when Carrie Lake threatened the press earlier today, our political journalists will run to Carrie Lake and say, can you give me an exclusive about how you'll kill me? Thank you so much. Can you give me a scoop about how exactly you'll destroy me? And so they will fail us, which is why if there's any billionaire listening, listen to Cliff and listen to Kurt and invest your money in media, which takes them on and doesn't do a both sides false equivalence, which is going to be the trend for the next two years. Uh, finally, the, the, the point I'll end on is regardless of what happens tonight, why we should be hopeful. Uh, again, history here is, is a good uh, reminder. This should have been a red wave. There should be slam dunks for Republicans in this economy. Biden sucks for him, regardless if you're a Republican or Democrat. When you inherit a poor economy, you get screwed. Inflation, gas prices are not his problems, not ones he created. He's going to get blamed for it. Yep. And historical trend that the, the party that doesn't have the presidency loses. The fact that so many people have come out and the fact that this red wave might be a red trickle means that we are organized and galvanized. But we're dealing with a fascist movement that wants power by any means necessary. And the, what keeps me hopeful, and the reason why I'm in Florida today, is because my daughter had a make-a-wish uh, wish that we delayed for three years uh, ever since she survived her stage four cancer. And just this week was the first week we finally got it and we're in Florida because she wants to be a princess and she made her hair into, who's the one from Frozen? Not Anna, but Elsa. So now Elsa. she's Yeah, and the other one looks like Snow White. And my son got his hair painted red because he looks like a Ninjago character. And the place where I'm at right now in Florida, which I won't name, everyone who's here treating these kids like queens and kings volunteers, ladies and gentlemen. They volunteer. And so here we are, and I'm celebrating my daughter's make-a-wish wish. She should have died three years ago. But here she is alive. If you see her now, you, you know, I, I think Mary and a few others have seen her. You'll, never, you'll be amazed that this girl ever had stage four cancer. And there were moments in the journey where we thought her story ended. It was over. Like, it's impossible. But there was a plot twist, and there was a community of people who rallied to save this little girl, and she got an anonymous liver donor to step up and give a piece of her, uh, her liver. Now, fast forward three years, she just celebrated her sixth birthday, and she has uh, uh, ear piercings, and she's dressed like Elsa. So this is a long journey, and if you're a student of U.S. history, and if you're a student of what has happened to black folks, poor folks, the indigenous folks, you know that they could never give up. They had to fight for everything. And they're still fighting. And so we should learn from our ancestors, unite with people, don't be purists. We're fighting for democracy. And the one positive that we have is that we have the majority. Thank you for letting me rant. I appreciate you inviting me. No, I, I, uh, no. that is 
in some ways uh, exactly the kind of story we need because there are many, many reasons to be cynical about our fellow Americans, um, particularly, or in some cases, almost exclusively our fellow white Americans. And I think, you know, as you say, Waj, um, people of color in this country have never had the luxury of saying, you know what? I don't, I, I, I tried. I'm not, I'm not going to try anymore. I'm going to tap out. Tapping out. Uh, There's no tapping out. And I think if in some ways, if, if uh, white Americans, particularly working class or middle class, middle class white Americans could understand that they've been scammed since the very beginning um, by being convinced that their whiteness was more valuable than making common cause with, uh, at, at the very beginning, black Americans who were in the same economic straits and and who could have benefited from joining together against their oppressors, then we would be having a very different conversation now. Uh, so we need we need to feel uh, we we need stories like that because. Uh, we are living in very, it's very difficult to, to get to the point where you feel like you're living through the end of history, where you feel like um, any progress we've made is ephemeral and can be undone by uh, the kinds of progress we should be making consistently. We get it. We finally, finally, finally get a black president and then the backlash is so severe that suddenly we're in a position where, and this is not an exaggeration, we may get to the point where the American experiment fails entirely. Uh, So thank you for that, Waj. And I'm so happy you guys are down there. And I hope the hurricane stays out of your way because you need to just go have fun and be princesses. Um, Quick update. uh, Marcy Kaptur in Ohio 9, Democrat in Ohio 9, that race was also considered something of a bellwether. And she was, you know, if, if a Republican had won, it would have been very bad news. And not only did she win, or I don't know if they've called it yet, but she's leading by double digits. Uh, so, so that's, that's good. That's very, 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 very good. So Charlotte, um, (laughs) again, there, there's just so the complexities of the time in which we live are, are, are so astonishing. And in some ways it also just feels like it's really simple, right? It's, it's coming down to what it's coming down to in some ways, ignorance and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Bliss. No, (laughs) no, there's no bliss here. That's the problem. There's no bliss at all. Uh, That's okay. Um, ignorance and just, and malevolence, right? I, you know, there's just, we're fighting on so many different fronts that I think it's really difficult, even for those people who might be willing to keep an open mind or pay attention. It's it's very difficult to understand, to, to, to figure out how to convey a message that's coherent. Um, and luckily though, you know, Virginia has been kind of ground zero for, 
the uh, vicissitudes of what's going on in this country between from Yunkin now to the potential that the three democratic races that were have been said to be um, bellwethers, you know, uh, telling us whether there's going to be a bad night for Republicans, a, a red trickle, a red wave or red, red tsunami, at least two of those three are looking good for Democrats. Yeah, yeah. The <clears throat> the three races in question are uh, Elaine Luria, Abigail Spanberger, and Jennifer Wexton. And it appears that Spanberger and Wexton are going to win, are going to hold on to their seats, which is huge news, especially mm-hmm. Spanberger. She has mm-hmm. been in the crosshairs of the GOP now for, I would say, four years, ever since she was initially elected in 2018. Yep. Um, it looks like Luria is not going to survive uh, the, this this cycle. Maybe she'll you know come back next cycle and do it. But that's huge. If, if we had lost two of those or three of those, we would be looking at a very, very bad night. So the fact that we're doing that well is really good. And by the way, folks, in, in 2010, when President Obama suffered the biggest midterm house loss in modern history, 63 seats in one night, uh, they had, I mean, every major news outlet had called the House for GOP control by like 8.59 o'clock. So we're now heading towards 10.30. Right. And it's not been called yet. Now, right. I don't think that we're going to win the House. I really don't. I think that we'll probably lose the House tonight. But that bodes really well for us maintaining control of the Senate. And it bodes well for us keeping the Republican margin very, very slim so that in 2024, we have a damn good chance of taking back the House uh, when this comes. Um, I, I, I am optimistic tonight in seeing these results. I really am. I, I know that, yes, we're looking at two years of investigations and bullshit and nonsense from the GOP. I get that. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be not so great over the next two years. But the fact that we've held the line this strongly tonight after the GOP throwing everything they can at the Democratic Party, the kitchen sink included, and we've survived as well as we have so far tonight, that's really good news. So I, I'm, I'm pretty happy right now. And Charlotte, I, I think we also, in, in, in addition to what the Republicans have been throwing at us, I think we also need to throw in what the media uh, have been throwing at us, which is to say, you know, we've spoken about the just obscene levels of anti-Semitism, uh, anti-Muslim hatred, homophobia, uh, particularly towards uh, trans people in this country, um, anti-immigrant hatred, et cetera, et cetera coming from Republican candidates and the response of the media is essentially to say, yeah, it's, that's a really good strategy because it's working for them. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. No right? So I think that, that, you know, it's one thing to take away, you know, whatever we take away from tonight uh, is we're going to have to fold into the way we move forward uh, in 2024 vis-a-vis the Republican Party, right? The Democrats need to learn how to fight differently. Um, It's the media I worry about uh, more, actually. Yeah, because the the media is afraid of much, and I don't want to characterize all of media, but but much of the the traditional press is afraid of losing access to Republican power centers if they're critical. Um, I've talked to many reporters, uh, 
I'm not going to call anyone out, but I've had many coffees with with reporters over the last six months, and to a person, they they have more or less admitted to that large concern that they are afraid to call out Republicans because they may lose influence or access, uh, especially with with what they believe was the inevitability of the GOP taking back control of the House. So, you know, I, I think that the lesson for Democrats to take away right now is we need to get a fucking message and a united front and push that for the next two years. This squabbling, this internal squabbling that's going on between different factions and different wings. I'm tired of it. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to win us any hell. It's not going to win us anything. We're, we're really on our own right now. The, the progressive movement, the democratic party, Brian, I see your hand. Don't worry. We'll get to you in a second. Um, we're, we're, we're almost there. But, yeah. but we have to wake up and understand that this is going to take a united front and this internal squabbling, this, this blaming shit on everyone else is not, is, it's not going to win us any favors. We have to give Americans a vision to hope for, a vision that makes them united and hopeful for the future. And that's not what we're doing right now. And it's really killing us. Yeah. And, and Brian, I know you're eager to get in here. Uh, I think to that point, one of the problems is, and we've talked about this before, is that it is really, really easy for the Republicans to have a united message because they're such a monolithic party. It's there's no diversity there. The Democrats, on the other hand, have a very diverse coalition. It's a very it, the, the Democratic Party tent has had to become bigger as the Republican Party tent has gotten smaller. And we kind of see this weird phenomenon in which voters they they want unity no matter what that means just like in some cases they want their candidates they want it they want to feel like their candidates fighting or fighting for them no matter what that means like they think that donald trump is fighting for them which is insane but they think that so so you know that is something that the democrats have to figure out how to because we have much we really are fighting for people first of all, and we really do have a united message that could appeal to most Americans if we could just figure out what it is. Um, it, good to go? <laughs> yeah, you are good to go. <laughs> Thanks. I, I was going to read you guys something uh, that I wrote real brief that I want you to, just to, to think about, but I wanted to push back against Charlotte just a little bit. I don't think you really understand the press. It's not that they're afraid of losing access to Republican candidates. I'm pretty sure she does. But it, but but hold on, it, it's not that. From working okay. in the press, I can tell you exactly what they're afraid of losing access to: you, the voter, and the viewer. And they're afraid; they're scared shitless. Most young reporters are far more progressive than they are uh, conservative. Their fear is that they're going to be seen as being progressive and tilted toward the left, and the right beats them over the head all the time with the fact that you're left leaning. So they bend over backwards to be not what they are. It's the most disingenuous thing you'll ever see. And that's the problem with the press. We don't deal with that, that problem because we sometimes really don't, in our own business, don't know what it is. But here is what I wanted to read for you. I began asking a simple question. Would you want to hold public office? And I think the elections this year show that the overwhelming majority of us say no. And we all know why. Why do you think politicians suck so bad Nobody where the shit wants the job, or at least few do. Of course, the opposite may be true, and we're full of shit, and politicians do represent the best of us. However, I'm an optimist. 
I think there are people where the shit who don't want to be involved in politics. And the same can be said of the press. We should attract the best and brightest for a we're a constitutional necessity that makes democracy possible. But there's no money in that. The modern press today is nothing more than a freaking money weather vane. Whenever we find the most money, we'll be there. So people who are worth a shit don't want to become involved in the press either, or they do and leave shortly thereafter. And then both careers attract people who are ambitious and committed, but committed to what? I have no idea. We can't call out facts for what they are, but we easily publish or produce fiction at an astounding rate. You cannot have a functioning democracy without a well-informed electorate, and now you know why politicians don't want you well-informed. Watching and participating in this year's midterm election was the most unique I'd ever covered in 40 years, for too many reasons to note. Underlying all of it is a sense of tiredness among an electorate that knows there's something wrong, but because of our group voting record in the last half century, we haven't yet learned why something's wrong. And as much as I said the polls were full of shit, as Trump was when he refused to answer my question about a peaceful transfer of power, listen now when I say the obvious, and I'm not brilliant. <laughs> we're now in the middle of several fights we already thought were over. The dark times are there. We're making what it was again in the 1950s. Norm, you said earlier tonight, I took you as, a, I took you as a, an inspiration, brother. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis is announced from Florida Tuesday night that Florida is where wokeism goes to die. He said it with the zeal of a Christian zealot who claims he's a prophet from God. He has. So that's okay. We're not going to cover that in the press. We love the horse race, baby. I'm sorry. I have some breaking news. I mean, I'm sorry, Brian. Last sentence, because we have devoted, we have devolved into being barely capable of covering a horse race, but I still have hope. That's it. That yeah. is amazing. But have you all seen I, something I just saw come in from a text from a friend that Steve Karnacki is saying that maybe Bobert is behind? No, no, Colorado? she is. She she is. She's behind six points. 71% in. 71% of the vote is in, and she's down by four. That's I early. would pray to any god or no god at all to it's, get it's her early out of the days, house. Though. I mean, we don't it know is, where the, the remaining votes are coming from. What you have to really worry about on all these races is where it's where the uh, outstanding votes are, yeah. when they were cast, and have you know what's been counted, and if no, you know, it's true. But the thing is, is she's hang on a second, Cliff. Cliff, Cliff we're gonna crazy. go. Uh, yes, she is. Hi, Cliff, I want to go to you next, but I just want to check in with Rachel. Are you okay, Rachel? You have to unmute I, yourself. I, I'm just. I'm enjoying listening to everyone. Sorry, but okay. yeah, no, no, I'm I, tired I, and sick as well. But oh. uh, sorry if I look disinterested. But you look great. No, 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 no. You just look. Like, I just wanted to make sure everything is okay because you look very tired, yeah. and I know it's the middle of the night where you are. It's three thirty, but I don't think I'm going to go to sleep anytime soon. Everybody so, here, I'm enjoying sick. So I will. I will probably fall off soon, but I'm enjoying listening to everyone. Okay, well, keep me like everybody. Keep me posted before you have to leave because I want you to get your last word in. Uh, before you have to take off, and now well, I don't have to leave. Gets... But I was gonna go make it. I mean, go shake a martini. But I if go shake, by... go shake. Will you catch me up on what I missed when I'm gone? Absolutely. Okay, I'll be um, back shortly. All right. So Cliff is gonna get what is essentially his first word. So go for it. Oh yeah. Well, cool. Uh, good to be here, everybody. Um, I was gonna say I, about the Bobert race. I'd actually sort of I, I had a feeling we could take that one because again. She's got this sort of MTG gate level of insanity, but it is only a plus, I think it's a plus four or five Republican district. Like mm -hmm. if Colorado is a democratic state, we, we changed that district and made it less Republican. And she still kept acting the way she acts because I don't think she can control herself. 
she is who she is. Yeah. Uh, and so, the, I mean, Brian's right. It's always a question of what's come in. We don't know what's come in yet exactly. But there is a very legit chance, no matter what has come in, that she could lose that race. And Frisch was tied with her, like down a point or two. So, um, and wouldn't it be amazing if that's how we held the house? Because yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. it really would be, actually. Be perfect. I love where um, your mind went. <laughs> No, I mean, look, otherwise, you know, all I've got to say is what everybody, you know, similar to what everybody else has been saying. Waj earlier was talking about the media. And, you know, this is the reason why we have to. And you talked about it, too, Mary. We we need our own media. We need more investment in it. I mean, I know I sound like a broken record on this, but I mean, they will normalize anything. I mean, they've proven that again. I mean, think about tonight right now, how close it is in that Warnock could lose to Herschel Walker. The, the guy held a gun to his wife's head and threatened to blow her brains out. That honestly should be at that point. That's so disqualifying to treat that person as a normal candidate ever again. Anything they say, anything they do. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, you know, at that point, that's not taking partisan sides. It's taking Are those humans. closing cliff or is that, is it getting the margin getting closer? Uh, Walker's leading by less than one. Yeah, it's very, very close. With 76% um, Everybody needs to remember it's Georgia, so if nobody gets 50%, it goes to a runoff next month. Again. And there's a very good chance that happens. But the point is, is that how is how is it that, that Walker and is even, you know, in a position to win? When he, I mean, he legitimately said two different women go to the police and say that he's threatened, and besides his wife, another woman threatened to murder them. Um, I mean... We can go on and on. The lies. He plays football in Georgia, Cliff. Don't you understand? He's God. Yeah. And by well, the way, I mean, vote for him. It proves I'm not racist. I know, and I can make all the jokes, and I will too, but that's because, it. because that, that's I, I laugh sometimes. But the fact is, is that they won't. I mean, the woman running for Secretary of State in in you know in Michigan believes in sexually transmitted demons. And they're treating her like a real person. Like they treat these people like real. I mean, do you remember like a decade plus ago that when what when in Delaware the the candidate had to say I don't think I'm a witch and do a TV ad? Mm-hmm. That's like every freaking Republican candidate now. Like yeah, you know, and Sharon Angle, the demon sheep one, that was hysterical. But Cliff, you know what we're seeing is is that even four years ago or six years ago, what was untenable. Yep. Is has now been mainstreamed. Roy Moore would win now. Yeah, um, Roy Moore, who was credibly accused of, um, he called a thirteen-year-old in her during her trigonometry class to ask her out. Yeah, I mean, he sexually abused young girls, and um, he lost. It, it was Alabama, so he didn't lose by that much, but he did lose. And then they get Doug Jones, who was a fine senator. It's a great man with an incredible record uh as a prosecutor and um he did he was a very he represented his state admirably and then he loses to a fucking football coach who probably has the iq of uh i don't know an amoeba i I don't mean to insult amoeba 79 it, Let us I mean, note that that football so, coach said one of the most vile, racist things in public that you can imagine, and not a single one of his Republican colleagues said anything about yeah. it. 
Because right in norm, they're not going to, and that nope. like that's where we are now. Like they, they, that yep. window keeps shifting, because every time, and and I blame Donald a lot. Not Donald, yeah. but the way Donald was has been responded to. Sure. I blame that a lot for where we are now, because you know Dahlia. It's like if if the person who was at the top of your your party and who was, and I'll never get over the trauma of this. Um, Oh, qu just quick. Rachel needs to leave soon. I just want to know if you have any uh, last things you, uh, oh, you don't need to speak again. I'm so sorry. No, 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 it's okay. it's good, but thank you so much for everything. This was really lovely. And, I um, so appreciate making the effort and yeah. uh, fingers crossed and we'll keep I you posted. Feel, and Alex is still hopeful. I'm married to like the biggest optimist in the face of the world, like ever. And so, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I think it's, it's, for our democracy, maybe. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, like I, I guess, as as Ag said, it's not a red wave, and we need to talk about this. We need to educate people and let them know that this is nowhere near um, what it the losses that the incumbent um, has has faced throughout history. So it's That's a good right. reminder to say not all is lost. It's I hate that we're still in this place. It's it's insane that we're in this place, that we continue to be here. But I think you just see how entrenched, um, because of a confluence of factors, this ideology is. And it's going to take a very long time to overcome it. But there's a lot of work to do. We just have to keep working. And I know we're all exhausted, but no excuse. Right. But we do. We should get some sleep. And we that should get some sleep. You. I'm going to try to do that. All right. Thanks so much <laughs> for coming. Guys. Really appreciate it. Um, so, you know, if you normalize the fact that the guy in the fucking Oval Office, first of all, that he was allowed to be there, and then the fact that uh, at least 23 women credibly accused him of sexual harassment and worse, and uh, just going to throw this out there, I think he's guilty. Um, you know, and, and should it surprise us then that Herschel Walker who held a gun to his wife's head and I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the abortions because that's irrelevant to these people. You know, who cares if he murdered a few kids, if he's going to save millions down the road, right? That's how they think. But the misogyny of, of it, uh, it, it, it we cannot, Hey Julie, um, we can't give ourselves Dahlia that, that we can argue of it. I'm hearing an echo. I don't know why. Is somebody listening to this on a different channel? Maybe. Awesome. Um, you know, we can't kid ourselves that there's anything we can do about that. Right. My position has always been ignore them because it's, 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 it's a waste of time. I mean, I think ignoring them hasn't worked, <laughs> Mary. It's fairly, oh, it's fairly clear that, as you said, you know, that which was disqualifying. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Let me clarify. I'm so sorry. Let me clarify. I don't mean ignore the Walkers and the Donalds and the, I mean, ignore people who, uh, or don't waste our time trying to convince the people who want to vote for them is what I'm saying. I guess I would just say this goes to Cliff's point. You can still disagree with me. So no, 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 no. <laughs> I think it goes to Cliff's point, And, you know, I, I missed Brian, but I'm sure he said it, which is like, this is a messaging problem, right? That the reason this is a one-way ratchet that ratchets constantly 
toward normalizing that which is aberrational and intolerable. And it doesn't normalize going the other direction. Right. I mean, we don't have it going the other way. That What that tells me is that there is no clarion messaging about what progressives and Democrats value, what they stand for, you know, what the ethical <laughs> principle is here. And so that I think that, you know, you can sort of say, you know, whatever, it's QAnon, it's a cult, you know, they're unreachable. But the larger question is, how is it possible that millions and millions and millions of voters are now tolerating that which they would not have tolerated? after January 6th and where have we failed there? And so I just think like we, this is clearly a media problem. It is clearly a problem of language and discourse and persuasion. And I think we've seeded the ground. We just keep thinking if we pour millions and millions and millions of dollars into races, that that stands in lieu of actually having a message and a principle, you know, ask. And I, I, I'm just not sure. I mean, I think, Jen Taub said when we started tonight, you know, the work is building that thing. And I think that that is a, a media problem. And, and so what scares me, I, I opened with this a couple of hours ago. It feels like a million hours ago when I was here last. But I opened with the idea that the thing that was anathema in 2020, which is people saying the election was stolen before it even happened, is now a thing that a third of the candidates are doing. So how did we see that ground? Only lost we, 80 points. It's a hoax. <laughs> how do we reclaim it? And mm -hmm. why are we utterly failing to stem that conversation? I guess that's what I would say. Yeah. And and I guess um, I, I should rethink what I was saying. I, I think it around election time, you know, I don't think it's worth our effort to try to convince people two days ahead of an election that... Uh, you know, it's it's if you're going to vote for Herschel Walker, knowing everything, you know, try to convince them that it's bad to hold a gun against. Them. <laughs> they don't care. Clearly, they don't care. But I think, uh, Julie, the problem, one of the problems that that Dahlia is uh, pointing at has to do with the fact that the terms are never defined. It, it is not a winning argument to say that, uh, you know, it's democracy or fascism, if people don't know what democracy means and people don't know what fascism is, right? Um, we need to put it in terms that are actually relevant to people's lives. What will it mean to wake up in a country uh, that is no longer a democracy? And actually, don't even use the word democracy um, because the, I think partially because the right has has so debased language you know they call us fascist communist leninist marxist socialists as if that makes any sense and that's all not even knowing what it hear. means to say it. right but it, that's what i'm saying that's why you know for us to use the terms accurately isn't really effective if people don't know we need to we need to put it explicitly in terms that people understand that are relevant to their day-to-day -day lives and uh you know we haven't I don't, I'm not really sure why we haven't done that. Uh, maybe just because it sounds good to say democracy is the part, Democrats are the party of democracy. And it's true, but I don't think it resonates in the same way that some of the uh, arguments, even if they're complete lies, that the Republicans use. Oh, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's got to be spoken in more concrete terms. And I think that's something that we are constantly missing out on as Democrats. Um, 
I will say, just hearkening back to Herschel Walker, I grew up in Atlanta um, in the late 70s and 80s, and um, that you really can't put a price on how much folks um, valued Herschel Walker during those years. And yeah. a lot of those folks are now in their 50s and 60s, and um, they're going to vote for him. I mean, they're just going to vote for him, nothing else. I mean, it, it, it's, it's the football culture. It's hard to explain um, if you're, if you haven't been around it. So um, I was not on that, um, on that bandwagon, but I, I certainly grew up around Coach it. Football and you're absolutely right. Young lady. So, but you know, coming back to the point about what does it mean uh, with democracy? I think one of the, um, the other times I was on the show, I mentioned to you that, some of my Georgia friends, and I do, you know, I do like to chat with them about politics, but some of my Georgia friends were shocked when um, Roe v. Wade came down. Their kids were shocked and they said, how, why weren't Democrats screaming from the rooftops that, um, that Roe was at risk? And I was like, what do you mean? I mean, that the right to an abortion was at risk because to me, I hear, Roe is, you know, Roe's at risk or democracy's on the ballot. I mean, to me, that there, those words mean something. There is content to them. I don't know that that is the case for everybody. And so when you're throwing around words like democracy's on the ballot, what does that mean? If I'm worried about my, you know, my gas prices, am I worried about my um, crime or, you know, sort of the hot issues that Democrat, uh, sorry, Republicans are pushing? Um, we as Democrats have to bring it back to that. Democracy is on the ballot. If we don't have a democracy, your gas prices are going to get even higher. If we don't have a democracy, crime is going to be even higher. Like that, it has to be spelled out because you and I, hey Jen, um, you and I and all of us think about these issues all day, every day. But for folks who don't have that luxury, um, I think it's just got to be spelled out in clearer terms because they don't have time to sort of think about it's not that they're not able to think about these issues they just don't have the time they're doing 10 million other things what does it mean that democracy is on the ballot that's so vague i'm just worried about why my paycheck um you know is not taking me as far as it did a year ago there's the disconnect that's boy that's the messaging that dahlia was talking about simple fact of the matter is that it, uh, <laughs> how bad are some of the candidates that you're running against a seditious party filled with people who are pushing despotism and fascism and you can't find somebody to beat them. You know what the, one of the serious problems here, wait, Tim Ryan lost. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, he's losing. Yeah. Well, okay. Just uh, we're, about we're about to lose. Uh, it's not looking good uh, there. Okay. It's coming well, down to Georgia and Nevada for control of the Senate. It's Georgia not looking good uh, in, New, in North Carolina. It's it's Georgia and Nevada. Yeah, it's not looking good in North Carolina. I hate people so much. Um, sorry, I do. I because listen, the fact that we're even having this conversation when there is there are massive amounts of statistics showing that the only party that is good for the economy of the country and for individual Americans is the Democratic Party. Like, it's not even a question. So how the fuck do we keep getting in this position where Republicans can say whatever the hell they want to say and we have graphs 
that explicitly lay out the extent to which the Republicans time after time after time fail this country at every level. And here we are. I mean, forget about the hideous quality of the Republican candidates. Forget about the fact that, you know, J.D. Vance is one of the worst people ever born. Forget about the fact that, you know, uh, Herschel Walker has some kind of traumatic brain injury and is just being used cynically by a party that doesn't give a shit about him or people like him. Forget about the fact that, you know what? Sorry. I just, it's just monumentally traumatizing that these are these facts aren't explicitly stated and that that they're just not part of the narrative there's nothing arguable here i you know so look i'm not an idiot i understand that what this is always about is the fact that america is a deeply racist country and unless and until we deal with that we will always be having these kinds of conversations. Um, but before I have a heart attack or a brain aneurysm or something, um, I'm just going to say that uh, there is some not terrible news. Um, Fetterman is still ahead in uh, Pennsylvania. Mark Kelly is well ahead in Arizona. Uh, the Democrats have won all of the Senate seats that they were supposed to. They're ahead in new hampshire <laughs> so that's all good um jen you've had some alcohol so i'm gonna hand it over to you i'm gonna take a quick break because uh i need to do something i'll be back in like a minute so this is really nice i've never ever gone on air while i'm drinking a martini so let me just uh okay dirty yes of course i was out of vermouth so it's just i had to like add some extra olive uh, juice, olive stuff with, um, what are these pieces of garlic? But what I wanted to say that was making me quite happy <clears throat> is what's happening with uh, stuff that we haven't talked about yet, which is state referenda. And you know me, how much I like to talk about taxes. And here in Massachusetts, it looks like, fingers crossed, our um, the first uh, item on our, the first ballot question um, is going to pass. And this is what we sometimes call the millionaire's tax or the fair share amendment. And our, the way it works, we have a flat tax in Massachusetts, regardless of income of 5%. And this would create, in addition to that 5%, a 4% surcharge on every dollar of income um, beginning at a million dollars. So those folks would be paying 9% on that above a million dollars. It's expected to raise $2 billion a year, which is going to be according to um, this referendum dedicated to schools and roads. Isn't that great? You know, and I want to say I have a list, but it's not complete that um, the guy, what is Daniel's real name? Um, uh, Daniel, forgetting his last name, but he runs now Bolts Org magazine. He's fantastic. And so he has a lot of the different state oh. referenda, but there's, you know, they can't all fit on his list. And I think that I would like to take a look at what's going on at, you know, some really good school board candidates and what they stand for or the various pro-choice um, uh, constitutional amendments that we're seeing. I think in Michigan, isn't there going to be one? Vermont's already passed theirs. 
Um, Cause to me, you know, I'm, I'm horrified. Some, I, I don't understand how Tim Ryan could be losing, but on the, I, and Florida is Florida-ing. And on the other hand, we have these lovely people in Florida um, helping Wadge's daughter. So like, I try to sort of see like, you know, yes, this is, there's a lot of disappointing stuff. Yes. It's a better night than we thought, but in terms of the bigger picture, you know, we're in America where people in state referenda vote for $15 minimum wage, a, a place where people want to uh, amend their constitutional amendments to allow for abortion. Yes, some states don't, but it's it, it seems like where the trend is, um, is going to have to start thinking much more at the state level, much more locally, at least in those states where, um, where maybe you can't get certain candidates um, to beat the, you know, a guy who wrote a book or something. But, you know, I'm also, can I say the other positive thing? I'm so excited that Lauren Boebert might lose her seat because that means Marjorie, what did I call Marjorie Taylor Greene by accident on Dahlia the other night? It was, I was, I was dictating into my phone and instead of calling her Marjorie Taylor Greene, my phone called her badgering Taylor (laughs) Greene. Which That's I think so is perfect. good. Okay, so I'm supposed to be asking you all questions. Julie, how are you feeling about the night? I'm feeling, well, I, I can't remember if I told you. I definitely told Mary. As of yesterday afternoon, I started feeling a little more optimistic. So I feel like that's come to bear a little bit. Um, I'm particularly thrilled about Abigail Spamberger. Yeah. Um, that I mean, you know, being a Maryland, D.C., Virginia person um, and being somebody who grew up in the government and a mom, like there is something, you know, she's just a rock star. And to, I was really worried about her and spent some time um, texting voters on her behalf. And I'm just really um, relieved, thrilled um, that she is doing well. So that, um, that has been my sort of happy news of the evening. Um, I do feel like Florida is Alabama and we need to stop pretending that Florida is a battleground state. Um, I felt that way for a few years and I think we need to um, be realistic about what it is now. Um, so that's sort of, you know, the bummer news of the evening, but to, to me personally, I haven't, I mean, I don't feel disappointed by that. I just feel like, yep, this is where we are. Um, Jen, I do agree with you on focusing on local elections. I think it's a lot easier said than done because all these, Big ones are much sexier and people are much more willing to donate money and time. And um, and to the extent that, you know, they're still doing that, it's not going to these local folks. And these local folks are putting on the putting in the work and the time and deserve it. Um, so you're right. We need to be spending more time there. And the Republicans are better at it than we are as Democrats. You know, to that to that uh, to your point about Florida, because I'm I think Ohio is the same is in the same boat, um, you know, because think about it this way, Ohio in Tim Ryan had the best possible candidate, like the best fit. Like, I think in some ways a better candidate than Sherrod Brown uh, for Ohio. Um, except I say, of Mary, course that- being here that um, they, you know, as an Ohioan and I, and I agree somewhat, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, but like, but you did, I did. <laughs> So I didn't mean to, but I, it seems like I it's did totally anyway. fine. But I, 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 the national party left him, you know, I mean, 
Mitch McConnell put forty, fifty million dollars in here. Feel I'm not I'm not saying that that Ohio it's it's absolutely not a the the a down the middle swing state. It's it's absolutely a plus four plus five Republican state. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just making the point that it's it's also not. It, we're not. I mean, it's not Florida either. If I'm being honest, I mean, like, DeSantis is going to win by twenty points tonight. Mm-hmm. Yes, over he is. Charlie Crist, who is a former governor. Yep, and a former Republican. <laughs> Who's right. not a lefty? No, 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 not at all. And look, what I, what my point is was specifically about the fact that uh, the Republicans had pro- the worst candidate you could yeah. think of, and the Democrats had the best candidate you could think of, and JD, the fact that that scumbag is going to be in the U.S. Senate, I know, is just. You know, and this is the thing about the Republicans is that it, they don't they it's not simply that they cheat, lie and steal. It's that they 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 push the worst of the worst. They could have gotten a relatively decent human being to fill uh, the illegitimate Supreme Court seat left open by Merrick Garland. But they picked Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, sorry, that was Gorsuch. Let me, let it, me read you know it. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, let me reiterate something I've said before. This is the cancer of tribalism. We no longer distinguish among and between good and bad candidates. We don't look at people as a a broader group of voters and say, this person is a disaster. Even as recently as a decade, decade and a half ago, we did that. We had Senate candidates in places like Indiana who, you know, said terrible things about rape. And that was a disqualifier. Now, there's nothing you can say that's a disqualifier. I mean, it's stunning that a Lauren Boebert could be in a position to lose, even as Marjorie Taylor Greene wins handily, and that a Herschel Walker is in a position possibly to lead, maybe to win, very likely to get to a runoff, also just tells us that we've lost the capacity as a country to be able to evaluate uh, on the, the right basis. At least it's gone way down. I mean, we do see, obviously, we see these dramatic differences in states, in many states, with governors and senators uh, and Senate candidates. People are, we, we are getting more split ticket voting this time in some of these states than we've seen in a long time. Uh, but it's still, even the fact that Dr. Oz could come relatively close to winning a Senate seat, a guy who, among other things, just a, a couple of days before the election, uh, you know, talks about all of the uh, Pittsburgh Steeler fans uh, making sure to vote after the game when there wasn't a game. Uh, I mean, showing he knows nothing about uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so why doesn't football matter as much in Pennsylvania? Yeah. That probably did him more to lose the race than anything. Yeah. <laughs> they take their football seriously in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Hey, I, I do have some news, guys, if you want, from Nevada. Uh, I just got off with a, a poll worker there. The polls closed about an hour ago. There are people still in line. One thing to keep in uh, notice of is that they're only releasing in Vegas, the largest county, uh, Clark County, today's in-person and early voting. So not until Thursday are they even going to release the, uh, the mail-in votes, and there's very, three tight races which exit polling say favor the Democrats. 
and the top ticket of the GOP, they, they're, they're already arguing. They're going to lay down a uh, chattel that's going to give them the Trump argument. Uh, they've, <laughs> they're going to say that they should stop at the early totals because the early totals will f- favor them. And that um, it's a, a big fat hoax if they end up losing after the mail-in vote and it's voter fraud. So <clears throat> there, there you go from, uh, oh, and one thing I did hear from somebody from Georgia who said, um, it's going to be close, but uh, the one with the brain trauma is going to lose. John Fetterman? No, no, no. Yeah, in Georgia. Oh, oh, sorry. I I don't know why. I'm thinking stroke, which is also brain trauma. Wait, Brian, why are you hearing that? Because I'm getting really nervous. Okay. Uh, I, I, that's not that's Walker. Uh, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry, Mary. Just from a Democrat there in Georgia. Okay. We don't know. We it's don't very, know. very close. And it shouldn't be. And the fact that it's close is very demoralizing. But yeah. I think we probably won't know for I, a couple of days in I, that one either. I think we need to one of the things we need to do after, you know, re- regardless, we know that it's going to be close. Uh, whether Democrats win or lose, it will be much closer than than uh, the, the pundit class or the polls led us to believe. Uh, so polls are fiction. You know, one totally, but but one of the things I I think um, we need to to start figuring out is what what is the strategy? Go do we just say you know what Ohio, forget about it. Uh, you know, we'll we'll protect um, we'll protect Jared Brown, but uh, JD Vance is now senator of Ohio, and it uh, Ohio is out of reach. Um, do we just, you know, double down on the decreasing number of swing states? Uh, you know, and and I don't remember who it was. I apologize, but the, the idea of how much money was spent on, uh, Vance in Ohio. Well, I mean, first of all, and I, I know there's nothing we can do about this thing to John Roberts, uh, who, who may go down in history is the worst chief justice of the supreme court in modern history um you know uh money is it our democracy if if our democracy fails yeah potentially um it will well yeah because under no other supreme court justice uh chief justice has has democracy been this threatened i don't know i think we can give tanny he's given tanny a run for his money let's put it that way um, so with all of the money in politics, um, it's, it's kind of hard to get because it's sort of, it's just the way it is, right? It's hard to get people to understand just how insane it is. Like, think about it. You have, and, and Dan Goldman, I mean, I'm happy to have him. He's going to be my congressman. I'm happy to have him, but the guy's worth like $400 million and he I'm not saying he bought himself a seat in the house, but maybe he did. <laughs> and it shouldn't be allowed, right? That the fact that uh, some Cal- guy in California can buy J.D. Vance a Senate seat. The difference, of course, is Dan Goldman will be a good congressman. J.D. Vance will be fucking horror show in the Senate, especially if we <laughs> lose the majority. Um, and... You know, I, 
like we just once things happen like that, Americans just kind of stop thinking about it. And it to me, it's similar to how we fund public education. If you live in a rich neighborhood, you're going to have awesome public schools. But if you live in a city where like this no enormous percentage of properties aren't taxed, good luck. <laughs> it's just it's the insanity of it all. Uh, so again, it's just a, it's another another problem that we're we're going to have going forward that we're grappling with so many uh quite strong headwinds um but i'll stop talking and dahlia's gonna school us on the supreme court like nobody else can no i i, I will say for 30 seconds that one fun game to play is if shelby county hadn't happened you know, what would this election look like if Rucho versus Common Cause, you know, the gerrymandering case hadn't happened? What would this election look like? You know, if if the John Lewis voting rights uh, legislation had passed, which it should have, uh, what would this election look like? And I think part of, you know, as you just said, <clears throat> if um, uh, Citizens United wasn't just the law of the land, what would this election look like? And so when we sit here and talk about like, how did we lose so, so, so much ground on all these things? I think that, you know, so much of this is attributable to living in this voting rights world that John Roberts and now this Supreme Court supermajority have constructed, which is constricting the vote and you know, pouring money into elections and making sure that gerrymandering is a forever thing. And so I just think we have to, when we talk about like, how is it that we're losing and how are the JD Vances of the world winning? That's not just like happenstance. That is a construct that is entirely a function of a Supreme Court that has put a thumb on the scale of how we vote. And so I just think yeah. like, one really not super fun, but fun game to play is if we had passed like meaningful, you know, voting rights uh, in the last two years, so many pieces of what is happening today wouldn't have happened. So that's- Well, you know, one of the yeah. reasons- Hang on, Brian, John just joined us. I wanna say hey, hi sir. to him. Hi, I'm on a very quick five minute break from Sirius XM. Uh, Dahlia was just on my show and I've come here to poach your guests, Mary. Happy election day. <laughs> <laughs> or am I poaching yours? Happy, well, happy election, election yes. day. Anyway, uh, no, no there's listen, happy. Yeah. I refuse to show any despair yep. to the fascists and the racists for an 80 year old president with a stutter with record inflation and, and record gas prices to be able to have a race, a midterm, his first midterm when he's supposed to get shellacked and it's this close. I'm sorry, yeah. there's no red tsunami. I'm going to yeah. weep for the losses, but. No, man. Now we get to watch Kevin McCarthy fuck things up for two years. I'm getting popcorn. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's a really interesting way of uh, framing it, because I've thought about that, too. Um, the American people are going to see what it looks like when the worst of the worst, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Jim Jordans, uh, the, the Kevin McCarthy's, et cetera, et cetera. And like, it's all of them, really, because uh, not Lauren Boebert. Hopefully, wait. Have they called it? Not yet, but it's okay. But she's definitely down, which is uh, the awful. comedians are all well, terrified. There's right now. <laughs> she's down and out. She's done. Her stronger out. I would hold the phone on Lauren Bobert for now. Yeah, I think, I think it's way overblown. I'll be honest with you. I really do. Don't take her away from comedians, people. That's all I'm saying. But go ahead. Man. 
but well, I think I think the comedians could live without it because there's so much else to make fun of. Uh, if even if she does lose, but but seriously, like I've, I have thought that that you know, worst case scenario, they take back the house, but not by not too huge a margin. The American people will see just what kind of havoc they'll wreak. But we've seen that before, right. and it still hasn't change people's minds instead it seems they get inured to the insanity is is that too negative or um do you think if if we lose the house and hold the senate that that's enough to give us a chance uh going I, you know two years out i think we're all going to be so grateful that the republicans have stopped all crime as they promised that everyone's going to forget about that and be completely in awe of all their achievements because they have so many plans that are so well defined look i <laughs> I got to run. I, I'm going to pop back in later. But <laughs> they've been proven wrong about everything. And no matter what happens, Trump's still going to be a corrupt liar tomorrow. 2020 still wasn't <laughs> stolen tomorrow. The majority of Americans still support abortion rights tomorrow. There and we're going to keep on fighting for the same stuff. Awesome. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. I'll be See back in a Bye. Fabulous. <laughs> See? Hey, I feel better now. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, John always makes me feel better. Um <laughs> He's not wrong, you know. That, nope. that the the big thing that you should take away from this, so far from what I take away from it, looking at the results and talking to people on the ground, is the simple fact that it's not what Republicans. You know, first of all, I hated the term "crimson" or "red wave." I saw the movie Clueless. I think that's a horrible thing to claim that you're going to do. So I'm not even going to touch that. But the simple fact of the matter is they, they lied about that like, like they lied about everything else. And it was led by the polls. The media fell for it because we suck. And at the end of the day, the American public didn't fall for it. That's that's what I take away positive from it for, for what it's worth. And I'm an upbeat kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even started to drink or defile myself yet, Mary. <laughs> Wow. All right. We can consider us very lucky. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I, I don't know if it's true anymore, but up until fairly recently, I was a very optimistic person and I had no reason to be, but I was, I just, I, I was. And I, I think part of what I'm reacting to is um, <laughs> I need to get over myself, but the injustice of it all, you know, uh, so many people have been seriously harmed in the last six years. I mean, obviously 600, but let's keep it you know, recent. Um, that it's, it's really difficult to be sanguine about uh, results that defy expectations that look you know were potentially would have been much worse um because i i kind of feel like one of the uh, let, let me put it this way it's hard to see how we get back or sorry not get back get get to where this country needs to be without massive victories and i i i said this as many people other people did before the 2020 election it's not enough for donald to lose we need to repudiate the entire republican party and we failed to do that um you know the republicans needed to be routed the losses needed to be just absolutely uh unassailable 
And yet that is not at all what happened. Um, so short of that, because I guess that just seems structurally impossible at this point. What do we do? And I'll just throw that out to anybody who uh, wants to go go with it. I would say you're exactly right. Um, I wanted but, to be wrong, Norm. No, I wish you were wrong. Um, <laughs> this is uh, the, the most devastating thing that we face right now as a country. And I just don't see any chances of it changing in the foreseeable future is that we have one party and one cult. And that cult is a fanatic, religious, anti-Semitic, and racist cult. And it's very hard to move uh, a party away from that. You know, we still have 63% at least of Republicans in the country who refuse to accept that Joe Biden won the presidency in 2020. Nothing has changed that gives us hope that this will be a better party. And, uh, you know, that's, you can't run a democracy that way. Uh, and, you know, we still have some of these races that are absolutely critical in terms of what could happen in 2024. The governorships, it's looking better for Katie Hobbs now, uh, fortunately, in, uh, in Arizona. Uh, but, and Nevada, uh, possibly, it certainly, uh, Tony Evers looks better in Wisconsin at this point than Mandela Barnes does, but it's still very, very close. Uh, you know, we, we could, we have many crises ahead. All of the ones that we talked about earlier, the larger schisms in the society, the, uh, the fact that uh, violence is now an accepted uh, place to turn for so many people and is rejoiced upon by political leaders. Those are terrible, but if we can't get a, a responsible Republican party back, and it's all of them. Susan Collins was out you know, campaigning for uh, Oz. You know, This is what they hold up as their uh, moderate uh, example. What's moderate about Susan Collins? She is all in on the cult. They're all, all in on the cult. Um, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I think we all agree. Um, and I think that one of the, the sort of overriding themes that has kept me in a funk for the last few months is coming back to this notion that I think hit many of us um, in November of 2016, just this idea that our values um, as Democrats are so wildly different and um, on such a different plane than, than half of our country. And to, to sort of live with that fact, having, you know, Julie, all... I'm so sorry. I need to interrupt for one go, go. second because this is insanely go. huge news. Uh, Kathy Hochul is still governor of New York and the fascist election denying anti women, uh, gun loving Lee Zeldin is not going to be governor of New York. Therefore he will not be in a position to pardon Donald Trump of any state crimes of which he absolutely will be convicted. 
So sorry to interrupt, but the house too, which is we needed. Yes, we needed that. We absolutely needed that news. Absolutely, and thank you for hammering home that point about what he won't be able to do. Keep going, though. <laughs> We're on a roll. <laughs> I interrupted you, but I, I'm sorry. I just needed yeah, to. No, so, I mean, just coming back to this, the reality that we are on such different planes with so many, so many Americans and how, you know, how, I, I mean, I don't want to pull y'all into my misery, but like, certainly I never thought of, I just thought of being Americans through 2016. Like it was just, we're all Americans. And now the idea that we are not, not the same Americans that we are so different from each other and that um, there is so little trust and such a different um, approach as human beings. I mean, just even today I was doing some voter protection work and when you do voter protection work, you're sort of getting information from the ground at the polls and, and hearing this anecdote about um you know, a Republican poll watcher and a Republican voter and a Democratic poll watcher. And all of a sudden the Republican voter walks up to the Democratic um, poll watcher and calls her a bitch. And I'm just like, this is where we are? You know, walking up to a woman you don't know and, and who's trying to do her job and you're name calling and you're, you know, it, I just... It just breaks my heart. I mean, that's part of this. Is it? Yes, Jen. Oh, they just call. Apparently, they just called. Did you get this? New York for hotel. Yes, we we we. Sorry, I had to take off. I my headphones it's, were killing me, so I had that, to. That's okay. okay. Wait, that's New York. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding. Oh, oh, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, where I live? No way. She's on that second martini. No, I'm not. I'm on the first. I thought you were my friends. What happened? To tell you the truth, they're the uh, USB-C ports on my laptop. There are two of them, but one doesn't work. So the battery was dying. So I had to take the speaker cord. I, I think out. this is it, it bizarrely falls under the uh, category of too much information. But it does. I thought people yes, like it to does. know what goes um, on behind the scenes. Okay. You know? Well. All right. Okay. I, mean, I think we're going to have a, uh, like a, uh, what do you call it? Um, outtake show or something. But to Julie's point, yes, <laughs> exactly. And, and there's this, um, you know, we talked about this at the very beginning that, that election nights used to be celebratory and, uh, you know, you could watch elections with people who are in the other party. And at the end of the night or at the end of the day, uh, you know, you lost, you won, but you were all still friends and, you know, maybe you weren't happy about it, but, you know, you knew, you knew that uh, everybody still kind of wanted the same uh, or, or at least, you know, you had the same idea about what America was, for example. And that's no longer the case. Now, now, at least in my experience, I know the people I used to be friends with who were Republicans and that I used to get along with real well, I know that they're racist, anti-Semitic homophobes who hate people like me and uh, basically hate anybody who thinks differently from them and 
will uh, vote for people who um, hate the same things they hate. And that is deeply demoralizing, uh, which is something made slightly less painful by the fact that uh, Maggie Hassan won. Hooray. <laughs> so that's good. Um, you know, the Senate's looking, with the exception of Ohio, um, you know, the, the Senate's, this, let's put it this way, the Senate isn't going to be disastrous, right? And it doesn't look like the House is going to be either. And just, you know, for those who, who are keeping score at home, that means not only that the media got it very wrong, it means that the, the media's framing of this election was malpractice. <laughs> I mean, because by, by failing to tell people that, you know, a, slim margins on either side were actually huge victories for Democrats. We never heard that, ever. And the other thing we didn't hear and I think this is going to be extremely relevant for us starting tomorrow. Um, the fact that this election was treated like a normal midterm. That is one of the most egregious things that the media did because to, to, to pretend that, that the, the, um, the conventional wisdom was relevant here or to pretend that the usual midterm narrative uh, could be um, could be used uh, honestly was to ignore the reality of the situation in which we live. I, you know, I've said this a billion times, forgive me for repeating myself, but it's important. Joe Biden uh, came in to a, an apocalyptically bad situation. And the media treated the Biden administration as if it were a normal administration that followed another normal administration. Nothing could be further from the truth. So yeah, sure. Conventional wisdom tells us that in normal times, the party out of power wins in the midterms. That again, serves the function of normalizing the fact that the Republican Party is a party of fascists. And fascists should not win the midterms in a functioning democracy. So I think that's our starting point. Stop letting the media and the Republicans get away with a narrative that whitewashes the horrors that have been and continue to be inflicted upon us. I'm sorry. I'm so angry. I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm sorry. I'm so angry that we are in this position and I keep, I keep telling myself not to, I'm just swear I've been working on this for six years and not, not particularly successfully. I take this stuff so personally that, um, it's debilitating. Uh, but do, do you guys see it the same way that, that we just, we need to seize the narrative and um, inject some sanity and, and realism 
back into what's happening in this country. Ah, shit. Sorry, Sherry Beasley lost in North Carolina. Yeah. Just, yes. Jesus Christ. She, another great candidate. Yes. Anyway. Um, yes. So, Mary, I want to just follow on what you said, um, which is, you know, we talked, when I hopped on the call a little while ago, y'all were talking about Democrats and messaging. And I guess part of what frustrates me is um, that it really also comes back to the media. And, you know, I know we know this, but when you're talking about the media not sort of portraying this as a normal midterm cycle and not calling out the fascists, I mean, part of that also is they're not putting forth, they're not giving airtime to, they're not highlighting um, the good candidates, the good folks that the good messaging that the Democrats are putting out. Um, and so, I mean, I understand what drives their motivation, but like Democrats could be screaming from the rooftops. And if nobody is covering it and it's not getting picked up by reporters and on the news shows and, and, and by sources of news that people are listening to, it doesn't matter how good our messaging is because if they push the mute button on it, it's just not being heard. And so by they're both failing to, you know, highlight the fascists or, or as um, Jen just put in our little group chat, um, the, the insurrectionists and election deniers, they're not just failing to highlight those folks flaws. They're not giving airtime to the really good future legislators that we could have who are here for everyday Americans. They're just not. And we, and it's very hard to compete when you don't have uh, a microphone. Yeah. And, and Norm, I would suggest that it's not like the Republican party has a great message either. And yet they always get a pass. You know, one of the things that I find so frustrating is vast majorities of Americans who say that Republicans are better at dealing with the economy, at dealing with inflation, at dealing with crime, when we have mountains of evidence that they're much worse. You look at the economic performance under Democratic presidents and Republican presidents, and we see this all the time. But they uh, at least have been more disciplined in the way they message things. You know, Val Demings uh, ran a, a good campaign. And I thought in the debate that she did with Little Marco, and I will never call him anything other than Little Marco, um, where she used the crime issue and the gun issue to put him completely in a flummoxed defensive crouch that Democrats didn't pick up on that and tried to turn the crime issue back in a different direction was an opportunity missed. I'm not sure it would have made a huge difference in terms of all of these races, but it's time to recapture the framework on so many of these uh, issues. You know, I'll go back to the inflation um, uh, issue as well. It frustrated the hell out of me that when gas prices first spiked and we saw inflation really picking up, that 
Joe Biden didn't haul in the top oil company executives and just rake them over the coals and say, you're manipulating this for uh, your excess profits to make more money for yourselves. And I'm going to slap an excess profits tax on you, even just to show that you're fighting for the American people. And that's been missing uh, from us. Uh, And that's that's got to change. And, you know, in, in Florida, uh, and one thing I want to say about Florida, it, it actually, there are two sides to that coin. I suspect that one of the main reasons Florida has become more brightly red is that a lot of Republicans from northern states moved down to Florida and have settled there and are voting there. And that made it easier for us to win some of these Senate races in places like New Hampshire and maybe even Pennsylvania. Uh, but it's also clear that we have to do work with Hispanic voters. We have to create a different climate and a different message. And that's one other thing that just frustrated the hell out of me. Ron DeSantis, who is a fascist, uh, you know, takes illegally takes these Venezuelan asylum seekers fleeing Maduro and hustles them, kidnaps them basically to Florida, then of course spending millions of taxpayers' uh, dollars, sends them up to Martha's Vineyard. A whole lot of those Hispanic voters that are voting against socialism didn't have any idea, because he just kept talking about illegal aliens, that these were Venezuelans who were fleeing. I would have flooded Florida with ads with uh, some of these Venezuelans in Spanish saying, we. We went to, we nearly lost our lives fleeing the uh, Maduro regime. And this is what your governor does for us. Mm-hmm. We're, there's just no, uh, what happens to all these consultants? I mean, they ought to lose their jobs. We need some new people uh, moving in to create a different message framework. It's not all about messaging, but messaging is important. Well, it's also about respecting your constituents. I mean, a, yeah. one of the things that the Democrats have done, uh, and and I have to be honest, I'm I'm kind of relieved that as of you know tomorrow uh, we can we can take the gloves off when it comes to talking about the Democrats. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it, it's counterproductive to do that it, it before this midterm because yeah. or before the 2020 election because clearly the Democratic Party is. There's no alternative. It's the only party that believes in democracy. It's the only party that believes in actually helping people. So, you know, you want to pull your punches and and you want to make it about, um, you know, uh, strategy, not policy. But it's time to, you know, uh, play hardball uh, because we want to make sure that we do better. And one of one of the the uh, failures of the Democratic Party is to speak to Hispanic voters as if they're not (laughs) this monolithic group. They're not. They're Hondurans and they're Dominicans and they're Puerto Ricans and they're Mexicans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, especially in a place like Florida, although I I have to be honest and, uh, you know, whoever wants to jump in can jump in. Um, You know, there are a lot of uh, a lot of people who moved to Florida are also Jewish. And in addition to being a fascist, uh, DeSantis is a Christian nationalist and an anti-Semite. Yeah. So how does that, how, 
how does that fly? Like, it's very, it's very confusing to me. Like, what is it literally just about whiteness at this point? White, white Christianity? I don't know. It's Christian nationalists who uh, say great things about Israel and about Netanyahu um, so that when the Messiah comes and all of us are going to uh, burn in hell, they can take over the Holy Land. No, no, a certain a certain amount of Jewish people, according to Christian nationalists, will be saved and they will be the, the bridge to the rapture. Yeah, Lee Zeldin. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's sort of like the, this, like there are always that. I haven't had that many edibles. There are always that number of people who think that they're the ones Donald's still going to be loyal to. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just Christian nationalists, by the way, evangelicals, white evangelicals in mass uh, yeah. really treat Judaism as a fetish. Mm-hmm. I navigated these way. churches for years, mm-hmm. and that, that is what constantly comes up, is this fetish, fetishization of Jewish culture, appropriation of Jewish culture, by the way, uh, and this underlying belief that all Jewish people are going to burn in hell. And I wish the Democrats would say that more, would call out the evangelical ideology that quite literally says in churches that Jewish people are going to hell. Yeah. And yet we never see that. We never see that kind of rhetoric. And by placing them in certain areas and giving them Jerusalem and all the actions being taken by these very uh, conservative Christians, they all believe it brings about the apocalypse that much, the rapture that much sooner. Because right. as the Bible says, when you when everyone around Israel is fighting Israel, that will be the time that will you know signal the end of times. And they're looking to be called up by screaming, yelling and and chanting in tongues being drawn up into heaven while the rest of us sit and boil in oil. So yeah, I, absolutely. Mary, right. Mary, just a, they're batshit nuts. Sorry, just a quick update. Uh, in Georgia, it's almost dead even. Um, Senator Warnock has made up some ground, and I think that's with 86% reporting. So well, here's an update. Edibles will be cheap and legal in Maryland this coming after mm-hmm. tonight's election. So there is a bright spot in some fashion, form, or otherwise. I'm probably the only Marylander who doesn't care. I don't care at all. I could not care less, except I think it's fine, but I don't I don't care. Less pure rests. I think, exactly. No. Here you go. It helps on criminal justice reform. Really quick, I don't want to say this for 20 minutes, Mary. I'm not sure if you saw the Sharice Davids one in Kansas. Awesome. That's big. That's huge. Phenomenal LPAC-backed candidate. And uh, that's that's phenomenal. Um, no, I'm I, also watching in Georgia real quick, just so mm-hmm. y'all know, um, Jen Jordan and B win. Um, I think B's not going to win tonight. She was up against Raffensperger, who folks have forgiven yeah. because um, for secretary of state. Um, she was a tremendous candidate, speaker, inspiring. Um, and so unfortunately, though, I think a lot of moderates um, were were. Um, willing to go with Raffensperger because of how he stood up to, to Trump. Um, but Jen Jordan is, I think, in a closer race tonight against um, Chris Carr. And that's a big deal for protecting the rights of Georgians um, to abortion. So I'm hoping she wins her AG race. I'm, I'm watching that tonight, too. Okay, good. That's a that's good to know. And and the, the you know, the irony there, though, with Raffensperger is if he had to do it all over again, I bet he wouldn't. Um, but you know, just to, to make sure that, that, you know, we continue to have our finger on the pulse, uh, Gentab has a John Milton called, uh, John Milton quote, um, having to do with hell. 
Well, I mean, I'm going to quote him wrong, but we're talking about, you know. So you're paraphrasing, in other words. I'm paraphrasing him. It's just, it's just amusing to me. I, I don't know if folks realize, but the Jewish religion and culture don't believe in hell. Right. I mean, it doesn't actually exist. I don't know if that seems. It doesn't of, actually exist. So that's probably why I mean, they don't believe it does. Believe it exists. I have no evidence that it does, but I'm not trained to believe it exists. How could it possibly? Thinking, well, I, you know, I've sat in on some sermons where I thought I was in hell. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. kind of a Milton quote that mind okay. can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. And, you know, and this is a world earth. that these, I can't imagine. One thing we know is that it seems like our life on earth is finite. And I can't imagine why people. It seems like it is. On earth, so miserable. I think there's definitive evidence. <laughs> Well, right, but they they believe that there's a hereafter somewhere. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But I'm I'm not opposed to letting people believe what they want to believe. But I'm not that into them deciding that they're going to create a belief system and then we're going to burn in the hell that they created that we don't even believe in. Um, I know. I mean, it's just you know, Jews have been the ultimate resistors for like two thousand years, and I, you know, I'm just going to say, you know give up. I mean, we keep chugging along and they keep trying to kill us and we say, what's for dinner? And I, you know, that's how I, how I, how I do it. Jen, well, they believe that their idea of freedom of religion is that they're free to impose their religion on us. That's it. Yeah. And, and you look, there, there are a couple of very disturbing trends uh, that are fairly longstanding, but that, that, that uh, are increasing in how troubling they've become. Um, Christianity is on like practically every friggin' ballot. Um, I remember, I think it was in, um, it might've been the democratic, one of the democratic presidential debates in 2008 or leading up to the 2008 election. And one of the questions was, what was your favorite Bible verse? I'm like, what, why is that even a question? And what was infuriating? Like if I had, uh, by some bizarre chance been been asked that question on that stage, I would have said, can you please ask me what my favorite amendment of the constitution is? Because I'm not talking about the fucking Bible right. because last I checked, there's a separate separation between church and state. There no longer is. Okay. So that's, that's a trend that's quite concerning. Um, sec especially since, as I think Jen pointed out a week or two ago uh, in a different context that like all of the hate crimes that are increasing exponentially are directed about uh, against uh, portions of the population that are like 5% of us, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's very disturbing. The other, the other, the other weird trends seem to be that, okay, think about what the Biden administration has been able to accomplish despite this, the razor thin margins. It has. And the fact that most of the time they have 48 Democrats in the Senate, not 50. Um, so just to, to focus on two that you would think would be or three that you would think would be the most uh, galvanizing. One, uh, college loan forgiveness. Two, uh, the poorly named uh, Inflation Reduction Act. And I mean, this doesn't have anything to do with the Biden administration, and it's a bad thing. It's what the Supreme Court did vis-a-vis -vis, uh, reproductive justice, which is to say they eliminated the ability for us to have reproductive justice in this country. 
given like it is that why it's close i mean i would think that that's that would be why it should have been a blue tsunami so going forward from here how how do, is there anything that we can do to make uh to make things like that have more electoral power um like i don't know like if we Again, I hate drugs of all kinds. I think they should be legal, regulated, and taxed because it's safer, right? Um, I still hate the violence them. out of it too. And uh, you know, personally, I don't, I don't. Doesn't mean anything to me if they're legalized, but I think it's better for people who partake. Um, like, is if we legalize, like, if there were, if le uh, what's what's that drug that I really hate called? Uh, pot if pot were legalized at the federal level like would that be something i mean i don't know it's, it just seems like there's so many so many things that democrats have done that would have would have would have motivated their constituents and yet you know i mean can we just can we put it down to uh voter suppression so voter subversion and gerrymandering is is that is that what we're dealing with although well, that doesn't explain ohio but the overall messaging has been really bad it's been god awful. It's been scattershot all over the place. There's been no unified. This is why we're running as Democrats. This is what we want to do next. Charlie, can I ask you a quick question though? Yeah, sure. it, in in that context, and and you know what? It, it just sort of reminds me of when when people used to say, and sometimes people still do. Like seriously, you cannot talk about the twenty, the two thousand sixteen elect. What is it? The twenty sixteen election without people saying, well, you know, Hillary was a bad candidate. And which makes me want to kill them, first of all. Yeah. And secondly, my response to that is always compared to whom? So that's my, you know, the Democrats' messaging has been bad. I could granted, but also compared to what? Well, let's look at the 92 election, right? Clinton runs on the economy and he just hammers that home again and again and again, even when some folks didn't think the economy was going to be a winning message. He just kept going right. with it. Let's look at 2008. Uh, it was Barack Obama talking about hope, talking about getting you know out of Iraq, talking about the things that were pretty central to people's minds. What is, I mean, can anyone here summarize in 20 words or less what the Democratic Party's main message to voters was? 20 no. words or less. You know what? No, that's too easy. 10 words or less. No, but but again, that's my question a problem. is, that's what's, a problem. what was the Republican <laughs> message? What was the Republican message? Republican message was these people are trying to oppress us with their 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 personal beliefs. We're going to stop them from oppressing. We're, we're going to stop the Democrats from canceling America. That was literally their message. Democrats are going to cancel America. We're going to stop them from doing that. That was it. That was the whole thing. And Democrats, instead of saying, no, that's fucking ridiculous. And our message should have been freedom, 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 freedom. Yeah, because that works better than democracy. Freedom of choice. I mean, we go freedom to have your kids learn the truth. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Debt freedom. freedom. Right. No. And, and Charlotte, like your point is really well taken. And, and I, I mean, part of what uh, my response is just frustration because... Where do, oh, there you are. Sorry. Like everybody switched places. <laughs> um, is, is that once again, the Democrats always have to be better, you know, because the Republican message is fucking lie, mm -hmm. but it, it hits the dopamine centers of the brain or something, I guess. Um, 
so yeah, but I agree with you. The Democrats shouldn't have been that hard. We also have to show up. I mean, gerrymandering and redistricting is a huge issue, but we also have to show up. And so what I'm looking to see, and I really haven't paid attention, is um, how well we showed up tonight. I certainly think we showed up better than in prior midterms. Um, but the amount of money, time, and energy that Democrats put into getting out the vote um, is astonishing. It's astounding. And, um, you know, certainly if we had reforms like automatic voter registration and, you know, um, <laughs> other ways to get more of us you know, registered to vote and um, got rid of some of the voter suppression efforts. But just getting us out to vote is a Herculean effort. Mm -hmm. And that takes money away from ads, which takes money away from getting our message out. I mean, you have to preserve so much, so many resources um, for those GOTV efforts. And um, it's, it's an issue. I mean, if we all voted as we all feel and as people, you know, if press with a microphone up to their face, you know, as they're getting ready for bed every night in every bedroom in America, like we would win. It's getting folks out is a huge issue. And it's just going to continue to be, it's just something that we have to continue to work on. Um, I did want to flag just as a good news point um, that it looks like Kentucky, um, rejected an abortion ban, um, one of their constitutional amendments. And so um, I think, you know, that's a good message. I think it's a good state to be getting that message from. And, and so when we have wins that show um, the will of the people, um, I think it's important to celebrate those as well as some of the disappointments of the evening. So. And maybe, Mary, I would just say, you know, I think that like fear is such a huge motivator and you had, you know, one party running on just absolutely fanning the flames of, you know, socialism, crime, grooming your children, you know, critical race theory in the schools. And then you had another party who literally fears existentially for the future of like one person, one vote and democracy. And yet somehow wasn't able to message that like, do you want women to go to jail for miscarriages and utterly failed to convey the just extreme, extreme risk? And I think it goes to lots of stuff we've talked about on this show before about, you know, how when women express fear, it's like deemed hysteria and how when, you know, progressives uh, express fear, it's, it's like, oh, you're using the word fascism and authoritarianism. But I just think like this is such an interesting cultural moment where, you know, one side was manufacturing fear largely based on nothing. And yeah. the other side genuinely is like in fear of another January 6th. And that doesn't get communicated. Like, again, we've talked about messaging the whole night. But I just think like I am afraid in ways that I have not been in prior elections about vigilantes and about, you know, guns and about like, you know, the safety of, of you know, women uh, and their ability to move through the world without being incarcerated for a miscarriage. That is existential. And yet this didn't feel like 
an existential election. On the other side, it was existential because right. of an imaginary crime wave. That is such a good point. And I, I think that the Republicans have done this for a long time. They, they understand in a, a visceral way that uh, fear is extraordinarily motivating. It's, it's a, it's, it's a very powerful weapon, but it's uncomfortable. It's like, it's a fear is a very uncomfortable emotion. Nobody wants to feel afraid. So what they do is they uh, transform it into rage, you know, uh, because that that's rage is sort of motivating fear, like paralyzes you rage motivates you. Democrats seem not, not to want to tap into these things. And Jen, that has been one of the great ironies. And we've, we have talked about this fairly often. Um, we have so many reasons to be afraid and angry. So legitimate. So I should say legitimate. And on the right, it's just fear of the other right? It's, it's fear of, uh, you know, it's, it's all, it's literally imaginary fear, fear of, of black people who should be afraid of you guys, you know, uh, white Republicans. It's fear of immigrants who literally are doing jobs that, that you wouldn't, uh, that you have no interest in doing and, uh, who are uh, much more law abiding than oh, white Americans are. It's fear of the LGBTQ community, uh, which is just uh, gobsmacking considering how, um, how much violence there is against the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, it is just a, a fear of becoming irrelevant. And I mean, the real fear underlying all of that is fear of, of no, of having to give up their white privilege, basically, you know, fear of no longer being in the majority. Uh, so Jen, it's like, <laughs> We need to we need to get we need to become comfortable with making our side uncomfortable and 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 helping people tap into the way the reasons why and the ways in which we should be afraid and angry. I mean, yes, I'm afraid. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid that something is going to happen to me personally. At, hey, Waj. Um you know, because I, I, I am protected by certain privileges, but I mean, I'm afraid for other people. I'm afraid, uh, that I'm going to lose, uh, what I thought this country was or could I not was, but could be potentially. Um, and more than anything though, I'm really, really fucking angry. Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> There is a way to um, communicate with moral authority the kind of anger you feel and that we all feel. And, you know, examples include the way Mallory McMorrow <clears throat> from Michigan did saying, I'm a mom. And how dare you come into these schools and say what you're saying? You know, it's what Barack Obama, when he was back in circulation these past few weeks, in order to speak to the democratic base and to even speak 
to independence, um, you, without doing the manipulation and the inventing, um, you know, making these fears materialize just to get people to to be so angry and fearful that you say, now I have the solution, vote for us and we'll stop, you know, the monsters or whatever you're saying. That's not, that's not uh, credible. It's not truthful. It's not the way we have to be. Instead, there are really actually things in front of us that are problematic and scary. And talking about that, you know, erasing our history, taking books out of libraries, that diminishes our freedom. It makes it dumbs down our kids. We can we can tell the truth about the things that we should be fearful about. And I don't and I and, you know, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that's not happening, but I don't know if there's any there there. In other words, we keep imagining, I don't know whose job it is. Like, I don't know enough about political parties. Like I'm a political person. I speak about issues I care about. I know individual members of Congress because I'll be like interviewing them, but I'm not a um, joiner kind of person in terms of political parties where you've got to like work your way up through things. So I get the sense from everything I know about the corporate world or any kind of, um, sort of a uh, uh, system of, you know, of people working together is that in order to rise through the ranks of any large bureaucratic organization, you've got to go along to get along. You've got to get things through a committee and everyone is going to like nod in their head at the person who has more power so they can rise. And then everything becomes kind of pablum and doesn't really stand out. That's just my theory about organizational behavior in the world. And so I think the question is, when things stick, who is the person? Who is the brains in the Democratic Party or the in charge in the Senate? Or who's the person who's supposed to say, holy shit, you know, Mallory McMorrow, that I get that makes a lot of sense. Like who's looking at these? Who's going to look at who voted and who didn't and what messages worked where and sort of say, here's the plan. And uh, is there anybody who does that, Mary? Or is it us? And Liz, Smith. Liz Smith has been excellent, uh, been an excellent communicator. She was the one who led Buttigieg's campaign. She was the one who mm -hmm. uh, took over the reins for Malik Memorial. She is a fucking great communicator, but she is continually ignored by parts of the party who are too scared of their own shadow to do what is needed to be done in leading the public to rational conclusions. Because unfortunately, much of the Democratic Party, and, the, and by the way, Mary, I think you said this earlier about gloves being off after, because I've held my tongue quite a bit over the past six months over Democratic mm -hmm. Democrats. Not going to be holding my tongue for the next couple months. No, you know what? Jen and, and Waj and I were talking about this, and I know Julie and Dahlia need to need to head out soon. So I'm just going to say this, and then I'm going to give you guys your, your last word for the night. But uh, we were basically saying for the next year, we are going to be confrontational. We are going to be fighting for our position and and pushing it on uh, the powers that be because what, what they've been doing has not been working. Uh, and it's time, it's time for new, it's time for new voices and new energy and uh, a new, a new uh, take. Uh, so Dahlia. No, I, I agree. I think that uh, like, it's just not a message to say, uh, give us money. We're workshopping some stuff like that's just not going to inspire anyone and give us money. We're workshopping some stuff 
is I feel like it's largely what I've heard. And like I said, you know, I think you're like running against the headwind of an increasingly normalized fascist authoritarian administration, you know, at every level, things that were, we, we've talked about this all night, unthinkable two years ago, unthinkable four years ago, you know, that, that, that abusers of women, that, uh, you know, purveyors of like violence are now not disqualified, they're actually attractive. And that that's the way this is heading. And the idea that our response to that is like, we're workshopping it, give us money, is just not a message. And so yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm psyched to hear like you, Mary and you, Charlotte, like explain like when the gloves come off, like what the actual message is. Cause I just know this is so flaccid and uninteresting and not meeting the moment. And uh, you know, I just think like if we can't communicate in an election when it is in fact authoritarianism that is on the ballot, that that was on the ballot, then we are losing. And I just shudder to think of what comes next. Totally agree with you. Um, go to sleep, feel better. Thanks, Dahlia. Julie? Yeah, um, I have thoughts. And I could do a, like a whole episode with you on um, how we need to revamp how campaigns are run. Um, but, um, you know, one thing, I want to raise to your point about messages and who decides, um, you know, these pollsters who are frequently wrong um, are constantly taking the temperature of voters throughout the lifespan of a campaign. And so when book banning is happening and a candidate wants to talk about book banning and a pollster does a poll, and book panning doesn't pull well that week, it's out. It's off the table. You can't talk about it as a candidate. And so um, it's when you talk about when not you, when anyone talks about like the powers that be in the DNC, it's not the DNC making this decision. It's, it's these pollsters who are giving guidance. It's 20 somethings who are, you know, the biggest voices on campaigns advising candidates what they're supposed to say and what they can't say and what is too dangerous to talk about given the state that they're running in and and who the voters are and so it's not really honest they're constantly candidates it seems to me from my impressions are being clamped down from their messaging and that and that's not a dnc issue or a joe biden issue I mean, it's much more granular than that. And um, yeah. and I think that we as Democrats are just, you know, really super careful and it's not to our benefit. And we see it, you know, how we're constantly shooting ourselves in the foot um, with how we hold our folks accountable in a way that clearly, to your point about the candidates that the Republicans have put, for, put forth um, who are, you know, abusers and and worse um are are given a free reign to to keep going forward and so um anyways i you know if you ever want to talk about that offliner on i would love to talk about campaigns and how we need to rethink them 
Uh, we're going to be talking about everything. And and yeah, the, the Tuesday strategy sessions are going to continue. Uh, but again, gloves off. And it's it's really going to be about shaping the next two years and fighting for what needs to happen and, and not being fucking polite anymore. So Julie, thank you. I know it's late, but I so appreciate your being here. Thank you so much for having me. And, it's uh, so good to see and chat with all of you. Waj, I'm sorry I didn't get to hang out more. See you soon. So nice Bye. to see you, Julie. Bye, y'all. Um, okay, guys, I, I want to hear everybody. Like, from we're unleashed. We're totally we're off the chain or whatever the fuck they say. Unleashed. I, I, I don't know. I just wanted to say but, that. But that was that was weird, but awesome. Um, but before but we do that, know, it, was, it just reminded me of G Man, like He Man do, with his sword. Finally. Before we. <laughs> I hear your wildings in the background. Before Sorry. we do that, though, I need to get more water and Advil. So if you guys can um, maybe catch people up on results, not results, but like what's happening in, you know, like Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera, I will be back in less than a minute. Can I just say I'm hearing about some, I'm like just peeking in and seeing that the New York Times needle apparently has readjusted and, um, or maybe, I mean, I'm not watching MSNBC. I'm just looking at the news on my phone. But apparently, um, Ron Johnson is down to about a 56% chance. Yeah, it's 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 wild. It's very close. And mm -hmm. also, some of these, uh, this is my new, uh, I'm a good parent. I promise all my kids are awake because we're in Florida partying. And I did my part, brushed their teeth, put them in pajamas. Uh, but this is how it's going to be. Uh, yeah. but if the, the red wave that we were discussing earlier hasn't showed up yet and it is almost midnight folks which means that the republican polls that were flooded the last two weeks were wrong which means as we were discussing that when democrats ran on those issues of protecting democracy and abortion kitchen table issues that mobilized a bunch of folks according to the exit polls and uh, a lot of these extremist candidates uh, either lost or barely won. I mean, I want to say this. Tim Ryan ran an excellent campaign in Ohio. I wish it would have been J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance, unfortunately, won, uh, backed by Peter Thiel and millions of dollars. But it should have never been that close, even in Ohio. And even now with Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes. So let's see what happens. It seems like the, the needle still pointed to uh, Republicans uh, taking control of the House, but not in a wave. And the Senate, ladies and gentlemen, might come back to Georgia in a runoff. It's going to be wild the next couple of days. And I know and, Charlotte, Charlotte wants to be unleashed. So, and you uh, were saying, Charlotte, but maybe you know this, that the runoff would be in December, not January this time. Move it up right? a month. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, Republicans moved it up a month to December. So we'll be getting that campaign quite quickly. Did I miss anything? No. We're talking about, uh, well, even Arizona right now, Hobbs, uh, I'm very surprised that she has the type of advantage that she does have over Carrie Lake. Very surprised, but very relieved. At well, least. relieved, but the reason this is because Carrie Lake was groomed by the Republican Party to be a potential running mate for Trump. Um, it's something called gender washing, right? She's seen as the more soft, feminine, palatable version for the type of extremism that Marjorie Taylor Greene Who's also in the in the running? They said, "Oh, maybe we can we can we can launder it through Carrie Lake." And the fact that she might lose, that'd be a huge win for democracy, but also a huge win for Arizona. Also, uh, Kelly's up right now. The fact that Maggie Hassan won, 
even though Bulldog had a a, 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 a tight race there. The fact that Zeldin, uh, thank God, lost, thank God, in New York. Um, and I think uh, in Ohio, didn't Democrats... Landsman. Yeah, Landsman went in Ohio, yep. I mean, this is, again, with the historical context, folks, I know even if Republicans take the House, people will be depressed and we're going to have a deadlock Senate or maybe 50, 50, 49, <laughs> 51. If you just lean back for a second and look at the historical context that we've been talking about... This should have been a red tsunami or any other figurative language you want to use for a catastrophic wave. The fact that that has not matriculated, I think Charlotte said something earlier, it, it, it bodes well in a strange way for 2024, assuming we still have democracy. Oh, no, it absolutely does. Well, and, you okay. know, the only thing I'll say, and and then, Jen, if you have a quick comment, but I, I, I want to uh, get to Charlotte, um, is that. The only reason it should have been a red tsunami is because once again, uh, the events of 2020 and 2021 were normalized uh, or were taken out of the equation. I mean, think about what was not on the ballot in this election. I mean, I was, you know, I pay attention to these things and uh, I remembered uh, it was yesterday, the day before I was like, oh my God. Donald Trump uh, stole thousands of classified and top secret documents and the Republican Party is totally cool with it. And that's not even been an issue in this election. So, I, you know, it shouldn't it should have been a blue tsunami, quite honestly. But uh, only if only if um, things had been fair and uh, properly presented to us. But uh, Jen, you have a quick comment? Yeah, I mean, you know, the expectation was that there they would take, you know, take the house and maybe we would keep the Senate. We're still sort of in that same place, but you know, if they do run the house and they we lost Mary and and, and they put in, you know, Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene to be head of the House Oversight Committee and you know, she shows her full glorious self I don't think they're going to, I don't think it's going to be so great. And I think that gives us something to run against. I mean, I would rather have control of, you know, both chambers so we can actually get legislation done. But if we don't have the house, they can act like fools. We can run against that and we can be putting, you know, you know, members of the judiciary in the Senate, if we have real control there and do other appointments and, you know, get rid of eliminate the debt ceiling there's a lot of stuff we can do if we run the senate and if they're running around like idiots in the house and again it gives us something to run against as opposed to you had eight years um what did you do we can say do you want more of what's going on in the house <laughs> yeah exactly uh charlotte yeah no jen has a good point um i think i'm just worried about I mean, I'm worried about what they're going to do legislatively over the next term. I, I, I want to be clear. Tonight is a good night. It, it could have been much, much worse than this. I completely agree. I am weirdly a little happier than I thought I would be by this time this evening. Mm -hmm. uh, but what they're going to do next is they're going to, well, two things. First of all, Republicans are going to press their advantage wherever they can legislatively. And second, I have a feeling that Democrats are going to look for a couple weak points to concede as a way of softening the ground for 2024. 
which to me uh, means that trans rights are pretty vulnerable right now. And I can see a world in which trans people are kind of thrown under the bus in the next uh, two years as a way of making a peace offering to moderates or to some folks in the Republican Party. And I realized that there are folks who think that's not going to happen. But, you know, we didn't vote on the Equality Act this term, even though we had both majorities. We didn't vote on marriage equality in the Senate this term, even though we had both majorities. LGBTQ people, I think, are going to take a back seat uh, in policy for the next several years because Republicans have effectively framed us as predators and pedophiles and whatever the hell else. Uh, political violence, I think, is going to be far more sanctioned <clears throat> than it has been, especially against LGBTQ people, especially against queer people of color. And what is tragic about all this is that the Democratic Party overall, not, not everyone, I mean, President Biden has done a pretty good job. You know, folks like Senator McMorrow have done a good job, but much of the Democratic Party, and especially in the House, have either avoided LGBTQ issues entirely so as not to draw fire, or they have just completely failed to effectively message on LGBTQ issues, which, by the way, is not that difficult for people willing to make an effort. Uh, but what we've seen time and time is, again, especially from a lot of House Democrats, is this inability or this unwillingness to effectively message on LGBTQ rights. That's going to make marriage equality vulnerable. It's going to make conversion therapy, uh, the, the effort to prevent conversion therapy uh, from happening vulnerable. And it's going to mean that LGBTQ people in at least 36 states in this country, 36 states, are still vulnerable to violence and discrimination in housing, employment, uh, even, even employment with the Bostock ruling, even employment, um, credit, public accommodations, jury service, education, so, you know, yes, it is a good night. It's, it's a lot better than it, than, than it I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, if I'm a trans person right now, and I am, but if I'm a trans child looking at all this, I'm looking at a country that's not going to protect me for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. And that's worrisome. And it's, it's, a, it's a, um, an unforced error the Democrats continue continue to make they've done it with immigrants they've done it or with immigration policy they've done it with black people forever um and it's one it's it's uh it's unspeakably cruel and uh, that should be enough of a reason not to do it but two i believe it's also strategically uh stupid <laughs> um you know, uh, it. I think it 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 fails to recognize um, who the democratic who comprises the democratic base. It fails to recognize where we're where we should be and could be headed as a country, and um, it fails to recognize where our power comes from. And, and that is one of the distinctions that I think we have failed to make um, or have conceded for some bizarre reason. One of the, the most successful Republican arguments has been, we are as cruel as you want to be. With us in power, we'll be cruel. We give you permission to be cruel. As long as you're cruel to the right people. Awesome. Um. And uh, the Democrats had a really simple 
task there, uh, which was to say, um, we are the opposite of that. We don't believe that you that 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 cruelty is um, something that is acceptable. And we certainly don't believe that that makes for a country that's inclusive and that's worth living in and supporting and fighting for. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and again, uh, I, I don't mean to keep bringing him up because I fucking hate him, but uh, that is one of the things that, that uh, Donald did. Uh, I don't give him credit for much. She has beautiful hair. Um, I don't give him credit for much uh, because he's really just a symptom of a long, long-standing disease. But what he did do was show the his party that, um, or convince his party anyway, that cruelty is strength and uh, weakness, uh, kindness is weakness. Um, we should have made that. We should have fought back vociferously against that. And uh, we have failed to do so. Wash. We can't connect the dots right here and, and to show where there was a weakness and there can be a learning opportunities. Let's go to Virginia, where I now yeah. live. Yes. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I wrote an article uh, for the Daily Beast telling them that the anti-CRT uh, campaign is mimicked after the 2010 anti-Sharia campaign that was launched and created by Republicans to feed hysteria right before the midterm elections. I said, it's the same playbook. I broke it down and I tried my best to warn the Democrats that you have to take it seriously. I saw the writing on the wall. Everyone said, ah, Terry's going to win. He's going to waltz in. I'm like, you guys aren't paying attention. I live here. I'm telling you, suburban parents are being swayed by this. There's no counter message. Where is your counter message? Eh, we're just going to say Terry McAuliffe. You know, I'm Trump, Trump, Trump. I'm like the, the, the education issue. I'm talking to educated Democratic parents who think that their teachers are going to transform their child into an atheist transgender activist who hates white people. What's the counter message? Nothing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, last week, uh, Glenn Youngkin, unfortunately, is our uh, governor of Virginia. Suburban parents and white women, a majority of them, helped give him the vote. I'm sorry to say, but that's the facts. And they just shut down the hotline for anti-CRT tips because there were no CRT tips, because it was a manufactured issue. And once he got elected, they're like, oh, look, they're not transforming our child into a transgender activist. Oh, and they shut down the hotline. The hotline literally that was created with the manufactured fear against transgender kids, Muslims, black, like all of us, right? Can I just say, it's great. If, I think it's good if kids want to be transgender activists. I well, mean, they're... But what I'm saying is the fear, right, was that you, you, they will transform your kid and make them into not transgender activists. They'll make them into transgender, anti-white, yada, 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 yada. That's the fear. Right. And, yeah. and we and would say if, if your kid right. is – so the, the counter message was non-existent. Uh, Terry McAuliffe never hit back and said, so what if – your kid is transgender. Don't you want to? Or say we support children where we are. We don't try to either make them a transgender or make them heterosexual or make them, them about history. Or make them cisgender or make them. Children are becoming who they're going to become as young people and adults, and we should be not forcing them to be what they're not. Like that was also, right. if you guys remember, the anti sixteen nineteen project as well, right? So all right. of it was just nonsense. 
And Mallory McMorrow, someone mentioned her, and the reason I'm connecting the dots is when they attacked Mallory over the same same conspiracy theory, right? And she saw LGBTQ kids in her community being attacked. She said, enough's enough. I'm a mother. She got up. She responded directly to the, the hateful comment. She not only responded to it and shot it down, then she pivoted the messaging and said, as a straight white Christian mom, these are my values. And I believe that these vulnerable children have a space in our community and we should expect the, uh, accept them. And this will not be a space for hate or homophobia. That clip went viral. She articulated it. She communicated it. She connected the dots. And now she's a rising superstar. That's the message that we are so desperately yearning for, that hopeful message that expands the tent and says, these who the Republicans are. I'm going to punch them in the mouth. And then I'm going to show you another narrative and vision of America where all of our kids can be the co-protagonists of the narrative. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is if you look at the poll right now, you know, this hyped up, hateful, anti-transgender fear, anti-CRT fear, and again, immigrants and crime, like freaking clockwork, you would think Democrats would wake up one day and have a counter message to it, is dominating, right? And the reason why they don't do it, Mary, and the last thing I'll say is because Democrats are so terrified of, uh, of, of losing this, this white voter that instead of coming out with that forceful message that Mallory and others show them that they, they can, they cow down. And like Charlotte said, they throw us under the bus. I'm a Muslim. Happened to our communities. They ignore us completely. They say, come vote for us, but we won't date you publicly. We'll take you to this nasty restaurant in the cellar. But they have good soup. You, you like soup? You'll get a warm soup. Uh, but we won't date you publicly. Uh, and what happens instead is our communities say, what have you done for us lately? And our kids are marginalized. So I hope this, in the next two years, going up to 2024, on crime, you can hit the Republicans, you can hit Donald Trump, you can hit the violent insurrectionists. On LGBTQ kids, Mallory's shown you the way, where you can create a big tent and bring in people who are skeptical and say, listen, kids will be kids, you can have your values, but I think we all agree that our children should be safe and secure and learn about everyone. People are like, yeah, you're right. And then also on race. If you do that, you have a winning strategy, Mary, but you need fighters willing to step up and fight for our communities and to articulate and communicate this message effectively, like a Miley McMorrow, or like Obama showed them the way just last week when he hit them on Social Security. Sorry for my rant, but no, it, it me because that's, what we're, that's what we're here for. I was in Virginia and I saw it happen in slow motion, and it yeah. just killed me. Yeah, and 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 I think it. One of the things that Democrats need to do is stop uh, stop deluding themselves that the media is go is is a uh, neutral actor here, because one of one of the things that was I mean not surprising but still kind of amazing about uh, the Virginia gubernatorial race between Yunkin and what's his name McAuliffe is that uh, Yunkin was was not called a racist once. During that entire campaign, even though his entire campaign was based on racism. So, you know, uh, just a couple of quick updates. I know it's very early days. It's it's uh, like only 40 percent of the vote uh, in in Arizona. But still, um, both Fincham and Lake are losing the Republicans for secretary of state Ooh. and governor, respectively, are losing by double digits. Oh, my gosh. Thank I think God. so, like 11 and 13 percent, respectively. Uh, so, you know, again, 
48% in, there's ways to go, but that's, that's good. <laughs> Cause, uh, Arizona that, I mean, if we had lost Arizona and, and again, I, I don't know, but I think Kelly's in very good shape. I don't think it's been called yet, but he's in very good shape. Um, and you know, losing, losing, oh my gosh, Kelly is up by 18. Wow. How much only, is in Mary? Only 50%, but still that's a, uh, and you know, that's the problem with looking at, uh, newspapers i'm looking at the times uh simply because i'm a new yorker and even though i hate the new york times now i grew up with it so it's sort of my default i understand it i like how they lay everything out uh you know they don't give you information about where the remaining votes are coming uh so that is a slight disadvantage but still um but I was looking somewhere else and it seemed like a lot of the vote in georgia was coming still to come in from fulton county but i don't know where i was looking so that's encouraging. Well, that does seem to be the case. I know you're usually. talking about a different state, but I'm just no. Thinking. But it's the same. It's the same thing, right? It does seem to be the case that that the the later vote tallies come in from the more densely populated districts. So, you know, I like in Georgia, it seems like Fulton County is always the last, the last one to come in. I mean, I don't know. Well, maybe so many precincts, right, within a particular area. Yeah, I, it's just, I mean, it's just obvious. There are so many more votes to count. And speaking of Georgia, it is 89% of the vote in. Uh, Walker is leading by 0 0.02. And the Libertarian has 2%, which means that, you know, obviously worst case scenario, <laughs> uh, Warnock loses. Um, but the the that's a lot of missing vote though you know no but that's what i'm saying like if if they fit if even if if walker wins with fewer than 50 percent typically the libertarian votes um i'm sorry i just ruined my whole i just realized where i was going and i don't want to go there doing great no, because I was like, oh, so that'll be no, it would actually be good for Walker. But maybe, maybe it will give people to come to their senses. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there's going to be a runoff in Georgia. Am I wrong? I don't know. I think, you know, it depends where this vote. Like, I don't I have not looked at a map. I'm not from there, but I would have to see where, you know, where's the missing vote? How much is it supposed to lean? And do the math. And like, if I weren't on your show, I'd be sitting there like with my calculator and like looking at the TV yeah. and trying to predict it. But like, you know, there's no point in that because it might be, I don't know if they have automatic recount or if there's going to be complaints about a recount. We've got a lot. I don't think we're going to have an answer on Georgia anytime soon. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild for the next month in Georgia. I, I think I think right now what we're seeing is probably going to go to a runoff. And you're going to said, yeah, bad yeah. shit conspiracy theories, uh, armed folks. Like, it's going to be wild, wild west in, in Georgia. But Georgia might save the day for us. Well, it may be, it might be that we still have, I mean, what what is the state we're looking at? Is it, I was it's looking at the three states, North Carolina. Nevada, it's Nevada, Arizona, Nevada. and Georgia. Those are the, yep. those are the big three now. We need in to Arizona, two. well, Pennsylvania too, because we don't know about Pennsylvania yet either. Oh, Fetterman, Fetterman. 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 Fetterman's looking really good. 
Oh, okay, good. I haven't checked in a bit. So um, what's going on with Arizona again? How close is Lake? Kelly's up 2.7% with 60% of the vote in, according to NYT. I, uh, I, think, I think Kelly's going to be okay. I think Kelly's going to be okay. Again, uh, last I checked, there was only 40% of the vote in, but still, um, Lake is down 11 or 13%, and so is Fintram. The secretary, the psycho secretary of state candidate on the Republican side. So that's good. What about change? Nevada? I don't. I haven't checked. It's close. It's razor thin. But I, I, I if I had to guess right now, I think she's going to pull it out. I think she's going to be. She's going to win. But it's it's razor close. So you, so you're all saying all everything points to Georgia is what you're all saying at this point. Mm, not necessarily. Just say no because if we win Arizona, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. We're going to win Arizona. The, the two states that are in question, in my humble opinion at this point, are Nevada and, and uh, uh, Georgia. We need to win one of those, at least right one of those. Right now the Times yeah. is predicting another 50-50 Senate. With... Well, well, Nevada, well, Nevada, the Dems have overperformed in Nevada, so barely. So the fact is that there's a slight edge there. I mean, it, it's close, but we might hold on to Nevada. I mean, which is amazing. I mean, I'm amazed... Now, I mean, I'm amazed by some of these pickups, like all across the board, and the fact that these these have held on. Which goes back to our point: if you communicate the threat, if you make it into a kitchen table issue, it becomes a kitchen table issue. Abortion rights is healthcare rights. Abortion rights is economic rights. Freedom and protection. I mean, the fact that the protection of democracy is a top five issue. You can't see. This is what I want you to say. Freedom is the issue. Freedom, freedom, freedom. versus fascism. Yeah. That's period. it. That's what it is. Freedom well, and family. You know, I actually, um, I I tweeted this because I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how to put it in terms that are like stark and that don't require defining terms, right? So I just wrote. If you want to protect your rights and freedoms and those of other Americans, vote for Democrats. If you don't give a shit about the rights and freedoms of other people, vote for Republicans. Did I retweet that already? I think I might have. You should have. if you. <laughs> no, but seriously. I'm hopping but, right over there right now. Thank too. you. Thank you so much. Um, but, you know, I think that I think obviously it's Twitter, so it had to be short. But, you know, I think I think we can I think we can work with that. Um, but. One question I have for you guys, because it's a problem we need to uh, we need to grapple with. What do we do now? Again, hopefully we'll win in Georgia, and hopefully we'll win in Pennsylvania. And and uh, I'm I'm sorry to say I don't know enough about Nevada. I don't know enough about the Republican running in Nevada against Cortez Masto, but. Um, you know, and we lost in Ohio. What what do we do when it seems that it seems that candidate quality doesn't matter? In other words, Democrats can have the best friggin' candidate, and the Republicans can have absolutely the worst. And it's either we either win very narrowly or we lose what what is up with that because seriously 
think about it. I mean, this this is this is something that should keep us up at night. Like, imagine if if they had had a halfway decent candidate in any of those states, right? It's sports for some people. Like I, you know, you know, when you're from Detroit, your football team really is, you know, is is really college football. It's really the Michigan Wolverines, but because your football team is also the Lions. How does that explain JD Vance or Oz? It's because if you're a Republican, that's your team. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Mary, Detroit Lions are a historically cursed team. They're really bad. Just to let you know. But I love that. I don't know what that means, but good. <laughs> no, no, it's not good. I feel bad oh, for Detroit sorry. Lions. Guys. I'm sorry. But you did beat yeah. Aaron Rodgers last week, so. But, you okay. know. <laughs> see, I'm sorry. I just need to make this point because <laughs> – you know, we're planning on having a nerd off at some point. And I don't think Watch understands the degree to which his his participation in football Twitter puts him at a serious disadvantage for when it's nerd. I had to help fellow nerd Jen because she was making an exquisite analogy. And as soon as she said Detroit football team, I saw your eyes glaze over. So I had to connect the dots for you. <laughs> and you still felt because I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to get the Milton fucking question and you're going to get some easy sports thing. I know how it's going to be. <laughs> well, again, we need to f- define what nerd means. There are so many different, it's a multitudinous thing. But Mary, what you're saying is, you know, I, I'm just to stick on it for a second. It's how every single mainstream institution and the majority in America keep bending the knee to a bad faith whining victimhood of the right wing minority that always works the refs. It happens in politics. It happens in corporate America. In media, I think I've shared this story before, but I will share it again because I was thinking about it today. Let me show you how lopsided it is. And when you do this both sides framing, why Republicans are able to get away with the most extreme comments, but Tiffany Cross makes a comment against Florida and she gets axed unceremoniously. A year and a half ago, I was auditioning, well, they asked me to audition for some political roundtable show, okay? The producer told me, it's been so hard to find a sane Republican. I'm like, what's the standard? This is what she told me. We're simply looking for someone who believes that Joe Biden won the election and is not an outright white supremacist. That's it. Now, for me, for Jen, for Charlotte, for you, we would have to like the equivalent is me walking on water. I have to be like the most special brown man on earth. I have to fly. Like, well, what you, an amazing show would that be? Yeah, that would be us if I seriously. Flew. Uh, but, but wait, it's this that, show that just goes to show you, right? Even when I was on CNN, the type of stuff that Rick Santorum got away with casually because he was a Republican, he had to engage in a both sides reference. I got knocked for making Scott Jennings feel bad once I got called up, right? So, <laughs> um, true story. Uh, he whined and complained. And I just did a, I just did an intelligence squared debate, which I think is coming out tomorrow. And I'll openly say that the, the conservative who was on with me, uh, Danielle, da- Danielle Lepska from a, uh, American Heritage, I don't know. But she did passive aggressive jabs at me throughout the entire hour. And at the end, I just pushed back. And then she told me to shut up. And then she said, as a woman, you can't talk to me. And then she canceled herself and left. <laughs> so, and I think the reason was because they're not used to us pushing back and they're not used to us actually hitting back and I hit back so nicely that even the producer apologized to me afterwards but it just goes to show you that every single institution bends the knee 
And what's happening now with and Jen's exactly right. Fascism gets normalized and comes in marginally when every single institution keeps treating it as a normal movement. And you have to have enough sections of our communities to stand up and say no. But they keep bending the knee, which is why we're here, why we are here, where a, a JD, a freaking Herschel Walker doesn't vomit and trip over himself on a debate stage and he gets praised against Pastor Reverend Warnock. Well, he he had the badge, you know. I mean, I think that was worth that was worth a couple of points. Speaking of Georgia, uh, Warnock is now up 0.05% with 90% in. Fulton County. Fetter- yep, exactly. Fetterman is up 0.83 with 87% in. A uh, quick question. I mean, it's not that important, but I'm, and, and uh, sorry, uh, Johnson is up three against Barnes with 84%. And my humble opinion, I think it's because the Democrats picked the wrong candidate. Um, not that Barnes isn't a good guy and a good Democrat, but it's Wisconsin. And I don't necessarily think a Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren back candidate is going to do the job there. I'm a little curious. I, I mean, Lee is like killing McMullen. Um, mm. And Lee is one of the worst people on the planet. Like he's up there with Ron Johnson, in my view. So that's kind of fascinating, um, considering I think what the Democrats did, the very strategically smart thing of not running a candidate and backing McMullen, who was, he was a Republican candidate for president, wasn't he, or something? Yeah, he was, but it goes back to Jen's point. Uh, I think they're just choosing the Detroit Lions. Yeah. That's my team. And I know Mike Lee's terrible, but that's my team. Yeah. It's- and they always have the traducan at halftime, so like we can forget Tridu- about the bad playing. <laughs> oh my! Can we talk about tennis? Like, if we're going to talk about sports, so can we talk okay. about tennis at least, so I don't sound like a complete idiot? Yeah. Um. So we're gonna. I think we're gonna wrap up soon because I, I don't know how much more is gonna happen anytime. Can I say soon? something real quick, Mary? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I was I'll gonna. Be very quick with this. I've seen some no. of the folks in the chat ask who I am. Like, am I a journalist or something? So I want to get this out of the way because I she's Charlotte the, fucking climber. The gut about? feeling I have is that a lot of you see a random trans woman on the panel and you're wondering like how I got here. So I, I really want to be clear about this. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a communications consultant. I'm a political strategist. I was a press secretary at the human rights campaign. I've been published in national op-eds everywhere. I have a very popular blog. My point is I'm very qualified to be here. I'm extremely qualified to be here because I know what I'm talking about. So you don't need to worry how I got here. I'm, I'm being polite and listening to everyone else, having a good conversation. But when you see someone on this panel, you shouldn't question why we're here. We're here for a good reason. Uh, Just yeah. wanted to put it out real quick to a couple of folks in the comments who seem to have forgotten their manners when a trans person appears where okay. they believe a trans person should be. So I, I don't need to be as polite as Charlotte is about this. Um, you do not question the people. First of all, Charlotte is not a guest here. She is a nerd avenger. She is the core She's part of the core of the show. Yes. Everybody here is eminently qualified, infinitely more qualified than the people questioning her qualifications. So again, we this is our house. You are guests here. You play by our rules. If you are not interested in doing that, if you are not interested 
in being a decent human being. Please just fuck off. We don't have time for you. Okay. And, and, you know, I take it personally because I work very hard. We all work very hard, but I mean, it just in the context of the show to make sure that the people involved in the show are the most qualified are the voices who most deserve to be amplified and listened to. So I, I just, Jesus fucking Christ, what are you doing? I, it, I mean, everything is at stake here and it's voices like Charlotte's and Waj's and Jen's and Dahlia's and Norm's and on and on. I mean, think about who the nerd Avengers are. Yeah. And you tell me where, where in the media you will find a more qualified, dedicated, intelligent, incisive group of people. You can't because there is not one. We've Amen. got Danielle Moody. We've got um, uh, Cliff Schechter. And uh, I said Norm already. We've, I mean, Dean Obadala. Adam Parkamenko. I mean, a lot of people who weren't here tonight who are our nerd Avengers. I, Dahlia, Norm. I said, yeah, Dahlia, Norm. I said, now we said Norm four times. Um, but, yeah, yeah. And we said Dahlia three times. But seriously, and then, and then think Quaj, about, Jen. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then think about the. Mary, our, I need a publicist. I really like how this is this is, is sounding. Here, good. You. Well, well you, it's going to be recorded. But also think about <laughs> think about our honorary nerd Avengers. Think about the guests who come on to the show because of the quality of our core group of people. So never, ever, ever question us. Um, that is not, a, you, you can ask us questions. Yeah. You can disagree, disagree with, us, with us, disagree with us until the cows come home. You can never, ever question our motives and our qualifications. I'm so fucking sick of this. You know, if you, you want to question people and you want to, you know, tear people down, go be a Republican. That's right. I, I always want I want Mary to be in my beatdown crew because she likes just. <laughs> I am. Wait, I'm not. I thought I was. Uh, oh, and by the way, I know this. I know it doesn't really matter because it's virtual. But I, I, you know, it gives me a little bit of cachet. I have a second degree backlog in Taekwondo, so. Oh, I could tell. I could because I'm like that was done with so much chutzpah. I'm like in confidence. I'm like she. She probably. Yep. Yep. Taekwondo. Uh, and also, folks. Uh, I Googled Charlotte, and within 12 seconds, this is what I found out. In 2020, Charlotte Climber was included in Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40. You're so young, it's gross. List I know, stop it, under. stop it. Well, you want <laughs> so, so next, for future reference, we're all Googleable. in case someone is sincerely curious. And with Charlotte, I found a Wikipedia page within 12 seconds, and I read it, and I just shared you one of the many amazing tidbits Thank uh, you, it's, it's an amazing group that mary has uh, uh brought together in the past several months i've been very honored to be included in the group uh, and then when i sit there and i look at the this brady bunch screen sometimes like i did earlier tonight it's it's really remarkable i was sitting there right when i got on there was you know jen rubin who i disagreed with on like 95 percent of things 15 years ago because she was one of those neocons but in defense mm -hmm. of democracy she's really come around and then you got norm who is at the AEI Conservative Institute, uh, and he's been ringing alarms about the, the lurch of right-wing republicanism before anyone else. Him and Thomas Mann came out with a great book. There's Charlotte, there's Danielle, there's Jen, there's Cliff, 
there's me, the Dean comes in uh, and pops in. Kurt pops in once in a while. I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, oh. Um, John Fugelsang. John, Benjamin, Rachel, uh, Rachel, right? And like, you know, look at what's happened with yeah, her. Yeah, Rachel and Alex. Yeah, uh, I mean, look what they've gone through and the transformation that they've gone through. I think it's just a really amazing collection of voices, diverse voices, people who don't agree on everything, but agree that this country should be a multiracial democracy that should stretch and expand itself to include all of us, children of immigrants, trans, Muslims, women, Jews, and, and we're willing to come together and fight. And the difference between us and I think others, uh, many of our colleagues, and I'll reveal to you, because I talk to them and there are friends who are on CNN and MSNBC who care and are in government, they don't have the license to say what we can say. Right. And so to get, to get to this point where we can channel, I think, people's hope and frustration it's really, we're lucky. And so I appreciate, and I read all the comments all the time. I try to, you know, I wish there was a comment section. I would respond to you guys. Uh, and, and I try my best to follow in when I get the, 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 the conch. I try to respond to what you're saying. I follow along with the comments. So thank you for joining us as well. It always gives me hope that there's people who care. On, on midnight, 12.35 a.m. on a friggin' t Wednesday morning, here we are talking to nerds about democracy. Uh, you know, yeah, and uh, that's all. Uh, thank you for flagging that because I don't always I have to pay attention to so many other things that I don't always get to look at the comments of. Uh, yeah, I'm so or, sorry. I don't usually do that, but are you sorry? No, 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 no. Year. It's been stressful, and I just thought, no, I've been working hard all year for tonight. I'm not going to let this just slide. There is no apologizing. Okay. We that is the kind of thing we need to know because you know what? That's a, that's divisive. Those kinds of comments are divisive Ooh. and we need to make it very clear that we are united we are united front and there is nothing nothing but respect and admiration here as far as i'm concerned and Except anybody well the okay well that I'm just it's a different brian knows we just different story. no i know um in fact i think it's one of one of people's favorite things to comment about is they're like do you like him or does he just annoy you like can it be both um no him. but seriously we do um he's like he's like my the older brother i'd ever had even though i have an older brother um so uh it's important to call these things out because um it just people, you know, they don't do this on the on the right. They give permission to be their worst selves. We're not doing that. We are not doing that. We we need everybody pulling together. Um, so Can I say something that might be really rude. No, pulling together. Oh no, no. this is. This I'm is only kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was Go. looking at the results about Carrie Lake, and I was thinking, you know, a really good meme would be your. Vac that vac thing, which was vacuuming that little piece of carpet because your uncle was coming by, of her like vacuuming, like in the like the campaign, you know, event party because she just gave a speech, say basically saying she'll never concede. Essentially, <laughs> it just, yeah, you, you just Photoshop her like vacuuming up the like you know the detritus from the. Okay, I thought it was it was funnier in my brain. Okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, I think it was Simon Simon flagged that uh, Mastriano wasn't conceding and he lost by like thirty points. Like, go ahead. And I just want to make something very very clear. Uh, and then I kind of want everybody to make their like closing comment. Um, in an election, in a free and fair election, when the winner is called, it doesn't fucking matter if the loser concedes or not. Right. right. Donald never conceded. 
Who cares? Joe Biden is our president and Donald is a big fucking loser. And not conceding, especially when the, the it's so decisive, just makes you look like a baby. And I don't mean to insult babies, so I probably Sorry, shouldn't probably say. say. Just just makes yeah, you look like a total the, uh, Some of the updates in the comments, some positive ones, someone pointed out that California, um, the, the pro-abortion initiative passed, and it looks like not that. It was also Vermont. We know Kentucky lost, which was the one that was anti-choice, and Michigan appears to be on, on track to win. This is also good. Yeah, the, listen, the there, there are... Let's see what happens oh, in Nevada. It's close. And a, a lot of the... Um, I don't, I can't remember what they're called because I'm tired, but you know, the special, the referenda or whatever they're, you know, a lot of those were important and a lot of them seem to be passing. So that is very hopeful. And, uh, okay. So we're going to, we're going to end. So, uh, Jen, any last thoughts, comments, what have you? I usually it's around this type of time of night, at least last, uh, you know, it was uh, it, two years ago and two years before that. So 20, 2018 midterms and last election where is now that I was starting to panic because things were suddenly turning against us. And I was like, I was on the phone, I think with Jen Rubin last time and her son was doing all the numbers and it was, and I had my little charts and we were like, there's still hope. There's still hope. And now we're kind of like <laughs> in a much knock wood in a much better spot. It's not panic. So I, I'm just hoping to go to sleep and wake up a week from now. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't mean wake up a week from now, but then, you know, a week from now, we'll know a lot more and we'll be uh, much more confident about the results. But I'm feeling like I don't see a red wave. Like, I, I you know, I see like there's a, no there, it's not even possible anymore. Yeah. No. And, uh, you know, I think the Democrats, not only did we exceed expectations for this election based on everything we said, this was. A midterm, usually the party in power loses seats. We have a you know major recession. We have you know gas prices being manipulated. We have you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Saudi Arabia, uh, right? I mean, we have all this misinformation, um, and yet still, we may actually hold the Senate, and they may have a very small margin in the House where all they can do is act like fools and get nothing done. So that, I mean, that yeah. seems like, okay. And then we yeah. just work on building the multiracial democracy that we all deserve where the, you know, we have a better planet. Um, we have freedom to be who we are, freedom to enjoy the land that we live in without it being exploited just for profit. There's a lot we can all dream about together because we were not completely destroyed tonight. So that makes me feel so much better. Yes, absolutely. Charlotte? Honestly, I think Jen summarized everything perfectly there. Uh, we we had, they threw the kitchen sink at us and we've had a pretty damn good night, all things considered. We, we, we could very well wake up tomorrow, probably not tomorrow, but at least this week, we'll we'll see Democrats holding control of the Senate, which is extraordinary in my humble opinion. Yeah. So yeah, Jen, Jen said it perfectly. Great. Uh, Waj? Uh, the fight, like I said, begins tomorrow. They're not going to stop. Uh, you're going to see that happen in Georgia. You're going to see it happen in Nevada, also in Arizona. You're all seeing with Kerry Lake. Uh, they're going to further radicalize and weaponize, which means the next couple of years, especially leading up to 2024, are going to be tough in America. Because even if Democrats hold on to the Senate, which, like Charlotte said, is going to be amazing, and it seems likely, or at least a split, uh, 
we're going to have election deniers, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Republican election deniers who won the election, uh, people who promote the big lie, QAnon, violence against election workers, poll workers, Democrats, people who made jokes about Paul Pelosi almost being killed. People are perfectly fine coming with guns to intimidate voters. People who are fine with intimidating law enforcement. Violence against law enforcement has gone up ever since Donald, who, yes, stole classified documents from the White House and no one is talking about it. He then promoted conspiracy theories against law enforcement and a friggin' nut tried to attack the FBI office in Ohio and was shot and killed. We just forgot about that, but I digress. I, and I say this to balance everything. I'm an optimist, as you know, but I'm also a pragmatist. You can't rest on your laurel, laurels and you can't be apathetic. This is going to be a long-term fight. They're not going to give up. It's a radicalized, weaponized movement, and you're going to see them further radicalized leading up to 2024. The positive here is that if they get so radical, and, and this is what maybe if this election is a bellwether for what's about to happen in the next two years, we've seen that enough Americans are terrified by how radical the Republicans have become, especially on abortion, especially when it comes to sanctioning violence and a coup. I believe the Republican Supreme Court will double down because they feel like this is their moment. Yeah. And I think they're going to go all out with what they can in the next two years, my prediction. As such, I think Republicans are overplaying their hand. This is where the optimist in me comes in. They think the majority will sit there and take it. I don't think they will. Right. They might go after marriage equality, uh, affirmative action. They're going to gut climate change. or Just all of it, right? So leading up to 2024, we have to organize now. And I believe with Fetterman's potential win in places in Ohio where they picked up a seat, right? There are some Trump voters, ladies and gentlemen, that you can swing. And you can win them over, in my opinion. Uh, some of the swing voters and independents are some people who voted for Trump. And if you build that multiracial coalition, I think 2024, inshallah, if we can survive the next two years, Democrats, I believe, can win the White House. I believe they can retake the House. I believe they can hopefully win in bigger margin in the Senate. And you can actually have the vision of America in 2024 and beyond. That's what I want you to hope for. That's what I want you to think about. But we have to fight for it. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say quickly that the margins, uh, Fetterman's margin and Wardock's margins have increased slightly since last we checked. So that's good. It's a good trend. Suggests that the, the final votes are coming from uh, Democratic strongholds, uh, which is always a good thing. Um, this, this has been uh, extraordinary, honestly. Um, I've been quite anxious about tonight. And... Um, you know, it may it may not be what we hoped, but uh, it. What I do know is that will it will be something we can work with. And what I promised all of you is that going forward, this forum is going to be all about doing everything we can to make sure that the Democratic Party represents. It's all of its constituents in the way that is necessary if we want to have democracy. Uh, because, you know, this country has never been one. Uh, and the only way it will be is if the only party that believes in democracy represents all of its people in a way that fully... Um, acknowledges 
their worth and dignity. So uh, again, that's why some comments are, we will not let slide. We will call out people who failed to do that here. And uh, you will not be welcome back. And Mary, so, can we just quickly give you some plaudits? I mean, everything you've done this year, not just this show, which is big enough, but just all the money you've raised for Democrats across the board, y'all. She has her own organization. But then aside from that, she's on several different boards and organizations that also raise money for Democrats. So Mary, thank you every, for everything you've done this year. Well, I could not have done it without all of you. Uh, seriously, I mean, I, I, I'm not really sure what this year would have been like without you guys. Uh, so, um, you know, not not just uh, the amazing guests we have and our, our honorary nerd Avengers, but mo mostly my core nerd Avengers. Uh, you guys mean so much to me. And um, my goal for the next couple of years uh, and going forward is is for this group to become a force mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's what needs to happen. I, I honestly do. Uh, so we're going to end it there. Because uh, uh, Mary's not going to say it. Mary's Nerd Avengers is coming to LA for its first show in six weeks, ladies that's and right. gentlemen. That's January, right. January, I think, 19th? No, it's December it's 19th. 19th. December 19th. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be there. <laughs> and we're going to give you the wrong date. <laughs> yeah. So it's the first of hopefully many. And Mary's yes. taking on the road. And Jen and I are going to do our best to support and help out and be entertaining and, and nerdy. I'm already studying all the trivia, by the way. Watch. No, it, it will definitely be the first of many. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, I, I'm almost certain we're going to be in D.C. first The second week in, in uh, January, so hopefully Charlotte will be our uh, local nerd avenger uh, at that one. Uh, but we're going to keep you posted with all those dates. But, yes, the very first um, Mary Trump show nerd adventure extravaganza will be uh, in Los Angeles on December 19th. We'll keep you posted about that. I think tickets are going to go on sale next week. I'm not sure, but again, I'm going we'll to try keep... to come to that, by the way. Sorry? I'm going to try to come to that. Oh, that would be yeah. awesome because trust me, we will have fun after the show is over. Um, anyway, so for tonight, uh, thank you to Mara Gay, Julie Zebrak, uh, Jennifer. Ruben, Dahlia Lithwick, Dino Badala, John Fugelsang, Norm Ornstein, Cliff Schechter. Look at this group of people. My God. Uh, Brian Karam, Rachel and Alex Vindman. Vindman. Uh, I love it when I mispronounce people's names. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but we're all really tired. Jen Tub, Charlie Clymer, Waj Ali. Thank you. I love you guys. Uh, and uh, we'll check in tomorrow for sure. And thanks to everybody else watching and hanging with us and giving us comments that we didn't need to reprimand you for. <laughs> Thanks all. Take care. Good night, everybody. Mm -hmm.